What did you think of particularly the trail of the Aga? What do you <laughs> think of the? What did you? Th- let's call them uh, what the, the Dora Milaje. Should we just call them that? So she know how to pronounce it. <laughs> because that was yeah, something that actually meant. <laughs> and that's why all of this is just it's a lot of. Uh, it's mixed to be to put it kind. It's been mixed reception wise. Like. To be awoke is to be woke is to be aware of what is around you. The sufferings of others are included in that. How your actions affect other people are included in being woke. We got some, some, some we got grandma over here undercutting the parents. That's what we got. <laughs> grandma was sitting down here the fuck up. <laughs> she, <laughs> she was telling all the right, 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 left, right, man. She was in a good mood. Grandma was, grandma was, grandma, grandma that's basically in that how grandparents are history like hey my kids let me let me be wild but it also has given places where we can actually utilize it for journalism we can use it for protest we can use it to be able to get ideas to kind of uh, kind of coagulate a little bit better How y'all doing? Thanks for joining us. What's happening? Gentlemen, gentlemen, how's everybody doing? Welcome. Welcome. Welcome, everybody, to uh, the Historical Voices from the East Side. My name is History Williams, and I have this young brother right over here to that right side. Oh, my gosh. This so glow. Oh, God. I just love the shadow effect. Uh, (laughs) I don't know what the fuck is causing this, but this shit is making me feel like I'm fantastic. Oh, am I the meanest? <laughs> show enough. Show <laughs> <your> ass. <laughs> I'm keeping this effect on my head. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> All right, with the, uh, with that, over there to that road side, man. I feel like I'm on Michael Jackson that we Michael Jackson dance game. You remember how he had the one shiny glove, yo? You never see that shit? Oh. That was on the GameCube or whatever, the, the, the Wii, Wii or whatever. Yeah. Michael the Jackson Wii. had like a Just Dance version of the game. It was like the Michael Jackson experience. And he had that one glove while he yeah, danced. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. Nobody wants to be the, the career of that man. But yes, with that, uh, it's fantastic. But yes, uh, with that, my co-host over there, that is our Eastside reviewer. He does our movie reviews. He gets us updated on all the films and data that's out there. With that, give a round of applause for Mr. Jamel, aka the Eastside reviewer, Watson. Oh, a lot. All right, right there. With that, we also do have a voice actor. He is a, a motivational speaker for himself in the mirror, and sometimes uh, he look at his cats. He tells them, stop that bullshit every now and then when he tries to climb up on the um, soundproof blankets and stuff like that in his room. Give a round of applause for our voice of reason, Jonathan, a.k.a. JT, The Voice. Say the whole name! Say the whole name. With that, gentlemen, how y'all feeling today, man? Y'all good? Friday Eve. Yeah. Oh, I'm good. 
<laughs> Friday. So this is not my Friday. This is actually uh, my Wednesday. Tomorrow's my Thursday. Tragic for you, brother. Fr- Friday is Saturday for me. But I mean, while everybody's chilling, you mean going to work on Monday? I'm. I guess I'm. I'm at the crib. You know. Three-day weekend, baby. Yeah. Three-day weekend. Three-day three weekend. Happy June 10th. Oh, fuck. That's a real thing. And you know what sucks is? I don't get a three-day weekend. <laughs> I don't get a three-day weekend. Uh, so, I mean, what's worse, weekend. a three-day weekend or a Juneteenth sale? Oh. Depends on where the sale is at. Oh God! What if it was at Sears? Like I'm surprised we haven't gotten really. <laughs> they put in, They put. It's in like I remember Chris Rock was on fucking uh, Saturday Night Live and he was just like preparing us for like 9/11 sales and shit like that. It's like we haven't gotten to that quite to that point of greed and capitalism yet. Like you'll see fucking Walmart have the Juneteenth ice cream and shit, and it's just it it pisses you off, but it's also like eh, of course they do that. <sighs> They do another day to make money. But See, the thing is, though, I just don't buy it. But there are people that do, and then they just perpetuate commercialism. You know what I'm saying? It took me so many years to figure out a Charlie Brown's Christmas. Chuck Schultz was ahead of the whole curve, man. <laughs> <laughs> she getting too commercial. Mm. Yeah, Charlie Brown. Um, they they had this motivational speaker. He said that there's a way that like the system definitely does keep you down. He said, so let's start off from December. He said, December 24th and 25th, obviously, is what? And you got Christmas, Christmas right? Christmas Eve. Yeah. And so uh, then right after that, not even like t- uh, six days later, you have uh, whatchamacallit, uh, New Year's, uh, New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. And then not too far after that, if they really wanted to get Randy, they have Martin Luther King Day. And if if you were to just still skip that, January would probably be the only safest month for you. But it's not that safe because of the fact that not too far after that, they got Valentine's Day. Not too far after that, you still have like uh, St. Patty's Day. They, not too far after that, you still got Easter and and so many other th- holidays that they it's just like commercialism, commercialism, commercialism. Spend your money, spend your money, spend your money in so many different ways. So um, it's always like the system is just constantly like digging in your pockets in some form or fashion just to make sure that it kind of feels like you're financially being held down. And the only time that looks like it's a safe haven is usually March. And the reason why March and uh, January is because of the fact that what time of year that is? Tax season. Winter oh, 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 tax, tax season. season. Tax <laughs> season. It's cold get, outside. And you don't season. want to throw outdoor parties. You oh, fill out oh, your oh, paperwork, oh, march yeah, it, tax. and then all of a sudden April comes around and then all that shit comes out. That money oh, out. you know what? I got the, the month where ain't no holiday for you to worry about. What? August. There is a holiday no, for August. In August. That is a holiday for all of all humankind to come together and sing Kumbaya. JT, we, okay, the white man ain't gonna give us a day off for that though. <laughs> Not yet. JT, we ain't talking about your brother. birthday. <laughs> we ain't talking about your goddamn birthday. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> talk about kumbaya. Um, fuck. Well, there is a holiday in August. What, what is it? I'm about to say there's a holiday every month, and I do remember that when I was in the uh, military that we that was the one thing that we remember uh, at least once a month 
you had a three day weekend or a four day weekend. And I forgot what uh, what holidays in August. Is it's Labor Day, right? Boy, Labor it's day. too bad we don't have a Google machine. No, there's no holiday. There's no real holiday in August. It's the just next holiday is Labor. So as you see, yeah. I'm only concerned about the only the the international holiday that is Jesus. my birthday. Yeah. Oh my God! I right. celebrated it here. Yeah. I've celebrated it in Mexico. Huh. That makes it an international holiday. Gotcha. J- Jamel, when Yeah, that's actually holiday? something that I never thought about. What? August doesn't have any, like, there's no holidays in August. It's just like, wow. Jamel, you Every holiday. Has August, and this is the first time you've ever thought about that. It's you've definitely had this no, thought before. I, I honestly never thought about that. Like, August, usually, younger years, it's summer, so you're not really thinking about thinking about them holidays. And now that I'm older and working, uh, unless I got a day off or getting some holiday pay, don't really think about them. It's like, huh. August. August is not a real you got shit in August. August and July are not real months. <laughs> That's why. Slow down. Are you just going to gloss slow, slow over Independence Day like that? August and July are yeah. not real months. <laughs> we know how they started history, but they're they're real. To, we were all born in those months. What are you talking about? That makes them real. I am, you're, here dis- you're just out here dismissing your own birthday history. Are you? Right. Are you okay? Am, according to the calendar, I'm born in September. <laughs> Fall birthday. You was you had well, one of them, them them leap months, huh? Yeah, I, I, leap, leap years. Well, here's the thing. Leap years, October. Uh, the Romans, according to uh, Julius Cleopatra. Caesar and Augustus, hey, the, uh, August and July are month. That's some gangster shit, though. Where it's just like, nah, I want a whole month name. That is a yeah, gangster it was, thing. It was it was apparently apparently it was created by uh, Cleopatra, and the idea was pitched by uh, Julius Caesar because of the fact that he was a male and he can get away with uh, those things because you know patriarchy. <laughs> so uh, with that man, uh, we 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 were we were born in, in since we uh, since we you, you brought ahead. up Cleopatra. Did y'all hear about that? Um, how people in Egypt are kind of pissed at this new Netflix movie that Cleopatra is going to be played by essentially a black woman, and they're saying that that's not reflective of who Cleopatra actually was because she was Greek, and even though she was, you know, born and raised in Egypt, she was of course from Greek descent. Have y'all heard about that? All the Greek people I know have a, a nice shade of of beige to them, so yeah, it is. And of course, you know, uh, we got the Greek freak, we got Giannis. So hey, he dark as a mug. It's one, those, <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like, were y'all complaining during uh, Gods of Egypt when uh, when you had very Egyptian looking Christian Bale in that movie, or you had uh, or in that other one where very Egyptian looking Gerard Butler was in one. Like, come on, man. Gerard Butler is about as Greek as I am Chinese. Like, that is just, that's just. Stupid. Apparently, if you if you draw a line around somebody's eye eyeliner and then you pull that mug out straight to the side and you make it like, you know, like a, the bottom of an eye, that's Egyptian. <laughs> that's all That's all you got to do to be Egyptian in Hollywood. No, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, you got to think about it. The same thing with like Moses. Wasn't that the same thing with Christian Bale being Moses at one point? But look, all of these are Mediterranean that's what I was countries. That's the movie thing. They're all Mediterranean countries. They're all on the same sea. Yeah. So it, it, people would have been on boats back and forth plenty. And so it's really not that big of a stretch to think that, oh, Cleopatra might have been from Greece, but there definitely could have been some mixing of her family background in those other darker countries. 
So this is not really a stretch of the imagination. I know you got a lot of a lot of people clutching their pearls at this one, but I mean, if you go watch Bridgerton and you don't, <laughs> you just let that fly, then you ain't got no excuse complaining about nothing else. Yeah, Bridgerton. I mean, Hollywood is wild. <laughs> Let's talk course, about you know, that. John John Wayne played Genghis Khan in the movie. Like John John Wayne is the, the that Mongolian looking fella played Genghis Khan. So it's <laughs> it's just nothing new. It's nothing new, so, but. I'm it's cool when the whites do it. So I'm going to ask you a question, man, but, uh, because this was a question that was really asked to me. Um, <coughs> so I, I feel like y'all kind of know my background a little bit, but I want to hear your perspective. Have y'all seen the movie Soul? Yes. Yep. That's a Disney movie. So um, I, was talk- I was talking to someone um, because uh, they found out that there was a podcast that existed. Um, and I, we talked about the Little Mermaid movie and I asked how I felt about the Little Mermaid movie and also the movie Soul. And I think we did a, I think we did a brief review of Soul last year. I want to say we, we did. Me and I you think, did. That was 20, Soul was what, 2021? It was, yeah. I think it was before Jake, it was before Jake. Join on. Yeah. I want to say we reviewed it, man. And, but like Soul I had my problems with Soul. And it was not the fact that it was not a good movie, it's the fact that the movie's message was far off to me. And so um, we did that. I'm probably going to dig for it and something like that. But with that, yeah, we man, did. Uh, we did. I think I want to say that we, I'm, a, I'm 100% sure we did it because I, I remember talking about this. So I'm going to ask you real fast your perspective of Soul. How, how did you feel about the movie Soul, JT, from what you can remember? So soul was an uninspired vision of the supernatural. It was, it really felt like it was a movie written by atheist or agnostic folks who really didn't think, I mean, too much about the great beyond or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, You know what I mean? I, th- I found it just a little un- unimaginative. Now, of course, a lot of other people who never actually gave no thought to it was like, Oh, this movie's so great. Mind blowing, you know? Uh, I think it's kind of funny. I also had a dad who looked pretty much like that. You know what I'm saying? Jazz guy, <laughs> plays the piano, mustache, hat, you know, glasses, the whole works. So it was cool to see somebody look like Pops, you know, go through the whole thing. I thought Jamie Foxx did a good job. But ultimately, I really just felt like they these people didn't have a lot to a lot of thinkings about the supernatural or how these things actually work. Because they just kind of made it like, oh, it's just an office building, you know. Yeah. It was essentially what it, what it translated to. And I think that's whack and unimaginative. Fair enough. What about you, uh, um, Jamel? Ooh, from what now? Jesus, I know that. I know it's pulling. I know it's pulling something. I feel like making you think a little bit more. From what I remember, it was decent, but not like anywhere close to what Pixar is capable of at their best. I thought it was. It's something that I'm not follow up. It left no impact. Like it, it left no impact in my opinion. Like, if you asked me to compare Soul to Pixar's Library, it's like, eh, I don't even know if that should make the top five. Like, it, it doesn't even make the top ten in my opinion. Like, it, it's, eh, it's just very mid, mid tier. Right. So, so it was what in twenty twenty? Oh, dang. Yeah, it I was, thought Inside it was, Out was, uh, was much better and much more imaginative. And so when you, when you got Pixar's animation, like they really, they really kind of dive into 
the the uh way things work in other world you know what mm -hmm. i mean but like monsters inc you know they had these doors and stuff and that was far more interesting in, in, than what they did with soul it was pretty forgettable yeah. big void over here for some people but then i guess you could just fall nobody else thought to fall over you know it's the first time this ever happened there's no protocol for it whack yeah so here my my biggest thing was um i know that like the big controversy of it was the transformation uh representation with transformation was a big thing so yes we have black people in the film but they have to turn into some type of animal or some type of other thing to be a character in a film so think about princess in the fog or um obviously think of soul and so or uh even even more recent which was like toy story was a four or toys toy story three Toy Story 4, 4. That was, a, that was the fourth one. That was the one with uh, Keegan, Michael Key, and uh, Jordan Peele. And so you have uh, this representation, yes, of these people who are supposed to be relatively black characters, but then they they have to be transformed to, to some type of animal. And the conversation came up about Little Mermaid as well. And I was very much so honest about it. I don't have a problem with Little Mermaid if her dad was black. So that that was like one of right. my big, that was one of my biggest my biggest caveats. Uh, if you're gonna have a parent and stuff like that, dad needs to be dad also. If he's gonna be represented in the film, he needs to also be a black guy too. And so that did not happen. And so um, I felt like the movie does not do well with representation. And I felt the same way with Soul. Soul did not do well with representation. And the first like one of the first few movies that you have where they have this story that's basically saying, follow your dreams as the mid ha main headliner character. In the middle of the movie, everybody's telling him pivot <laughs> when he finally got his dreams kind of achieved. And I don't know if y'all caught that message. Did y'all catch that message at all? When he's in the middle of the movie, instead of following your dreams, do what? Basically, you got you got to be okay with pivoting. You should have been happy with the, the shit that you already had previously. Damn, ain't for real. Like, oh, stop reaching for the stars. That's what Stay that movie felt like. It said, "Don't go it, chasing waterfalls." It, it felt like it said, all, all, he, that, "All that." Yeah, it felt like that. He finally got it. He got the uh, the job that he wanted. He dies, and then all he does is try his best to kind of like find a way to get back to Earth, and um to get this gig and do this one thing that he's always wanted to do. And basically the movie spends this whole time basically saying like, you should have been appreciative of the life that you were having at that point in time. And if I, it really got to the point where he, where he was, it was his culmination. Yeah. And he didn't even get to enjoy his culmination. Yes. Yes. They so, should have given him that. They should have given him that moment. And that's, what's really foul. They should have given him that moment. And then he, he died on the way back. <laughs> you yes. know what I'm saying? Going yes. home, it was dark. No, it was broad daylight. Broad daylight. Yeah, he was so busy celebrating that he got that moment. He wasn't paying attention, to it and he fell into a, a half-covered manhole. And I, I just felt like, what kind of representation was that? And what like, kind of like message I, I were you know, trying to like, show was he kids? Even in the ghetto, I thought he was just walking down the regular street. If you had seen graffiti everywhere, it would have been a little different. You know, some broken nah. bottles around. You expect manhole to be open a little. But, I'm curious. Can you even die from the man? Like I, I don't want to find out. But can you, I wonder, would you die from falling down a manhole cover, or would you just like break your legs? I just like assumed that? he couldn't swim. Okay, uh, so yeah. I, I'm as a person who went through Hurricane Katrina, 
and seen somebody really die through a manhole, I'm going to say yes. Even with full water, you can die in a manhole. Uh, because, yeah, so it is possible to do such a thing. But it was the fact of the randomness of the death. That's the part. You're a Pixar film and you're trying to teach a lesson. And I felt like that lesson was not taught, at least to a specific demographic that you were trying to address it to. So um, I, I felt like it was like we were running into a brick wall with that film. And so I was uh, told by a person, man, that I think too deeply into these movies and um, that some these movies don't really need some real thoughts. So I decided to turn um, to the voice of reason and the, the biggest movie reviewer over here and ask y'all this question, man. Do you feel like movie the, the movies that we review or the movies that like we try to talk about don't need that much thought into it? Are you Personally. thinking this because you watched this week's movie? No, no. But th this week's movie definitely, definitely has yes. Which, by the way, our Velvet Freight Train is uh, Spike, still Spike Lee for the month. But no, it's not because of that. It, this is uh, we still are celebrating Forty Acres on the Mule Month, and we definitely picked the movie for for, for Spike Lee. Um, no, I'm asking this question because it's right that I felt like. I felt a little bit like you're not putting enough thought into this movie. And I think that the, the person came from a place of privilege of not thinking about this movie uh, deeply because this was a caucasity person. This is one of uh, um, other halves of JT's ancestors um, that I was having this conversation with. So I'm asking that question to y'all. Hold up, freeze frame, bro. Uh, chances are you also have some Caucasian in your background. Oh no, I got fifteen percent, and I'm not happy about it. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> why you, why you why you be calling me out, dog? That's part of you back there too. That's why you can't be too critical of white people because you, you are see, part one. Also, because you're light skinned and I think that's why you called you out. See, that's 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 colorist. Yes, and also on top of that, you say that you're the African. You the one that said that. You the one that brought that to, to the right. I said it. That's my word. Why are you using our word? <laughs> Your kids can use it, but you cannot, <laughs> Mister Full Blood. <laughs> Bro, isn't that like the isn't that like our uh, like our version of "Don't you say, nigga"? <laughs> I, I just feel like if you make it, you can say it. You know what so, I'm saying? Yeah. So I mean, I, I, yeah. But I'm asking though, like for real, do you think that these movies don't? So listen, <laughs> I'm 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 dead ass when I say this, bro. That was the only way I could enjoy going back through the MCU. I had to stop thinking about the movie and just turn my brain off. Just uh, <laughs> movie. Uh. Yeah. It was hard. It was difficult. I hate doing it. Yeah. When I watch a movie, I like to think about, you know, the way that they shoot the film and, uh, you know, like to, I, I look at the camera sweeps and stuff and I think, oh, I want to be on that boom riding the camera. You know what I'm saying? Where they sweep away uh, like they did at the gravestone during, in, in, in the movie mm -hmm. and like to not have these ideas of like, how did they shoot this film? And then what, what, what I do when I, when I ask myself these questions is I essentially judge the decisions that the movie made to be made. You know what I'm saying? 
Correct. And so, like, I'm looking at how the director did some stuff. I'm looking at why these writers decided that that was the best line. Who who changed this and, and watered it down over here? Because this is some, as Cornell <laughs> says, milk toast type of type of language. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things some superhero movies miss, but you just can't think about it too much, man. It's just a superhero. But all these superheroes do is punch things. They don't never get super logical with people and tell them the truth in a way that they can accept. They don't change somebody's worldview by jarring them with, with reason or compassion. And that's why those, those movies are ultimately useless to me. They're, they're bad. They're just not good. And then they're not going to hold up in time because anything with a moral to it is going to be, well, quite possibly more polarizing, as we see with all of the 40 Acres films. Uh, anything with the moral to it, you know, you got a lot of people who are going to argue about the moral. <laughs> yes. And sometimes, uh, you know, the moral of Scarface was don't get high on your own supply. You know what I'm saying? Scarface is not like life goals. Yes. But people who didn't think about the movie too much, they was all putting Scarface up on the wall and stuff. Talking about, I'm Tony Montana. Yeah. And, and so... What about you, Jim, uh, Jamel? Before before we go, for me, it, for me, it depends on the movie itself. For example, you don't have to think watching any of the Jackass movies. You enjoy True. the you, you. It's either for you to enjoy the content, or it's not for you. For me, I think because of the like doing the little movie reviews, I I I force myself to think a little deeper on some of these subjects. It's like, all right. What what message are you trying to send? What are you trying to do? Even for animated movies, whether that's animated Disney, Pixar, DreamWorks. I think it's almost, in a way, a lazy way to look at movies if you're just like, well, just turn your brain off and have fun. And if you can't think deeper about that, then you... It's like... Imagine eating nothing but cotton candy. Like, it's just sugar. Like, you'll get a little bit of energy, but you'll crash. You got to throw in some carrots. You got to throw in apples every once in a while. You got to throw in stuff that's healthy for you. I think if you as a consumer can't think about anything, you're just, it's just junk food to you. You're not really nourishing yourself as a viewer, as a consumer, as anything, because you are deciding to eat unhealthily, and you're deciding to, to basically malnourish yourself of any type of perspective. You can think a little bit deeper on something like on movies that are uh, based, like, for example, Predator. You can think a little bit deeper on Predator. You can think a little bit deeper on the Rocky movies. Like, there's, it's not just, for example, Rocky franchise. It's not just a sports movie. It's a whole, it's layered. It's stuff that you, it's life that's about that movie. And I think that if you can't think deeper about movies or if you refuse to, you're really doing yourself a disservice. And I think that's why these damn direct, these live action remakes of Disney movies are so harmful because they're not, they're adding nothing. They're not feeding you entertainment wise. They're not doing anything. They're not providing you anything. It's just, all right, we're going to give you the same shit that we gave you. Like, oh, you love, you love Little Mermaid when you were a kid. Well, here's Little Mermaid, but with live action. And it's a little into the art of animation. It's a little into these fields. It's a little into the art of filmmaking. You gotta, sometimes you gotta think deeper. And if you always accept just, well, I'm gonna turn my brain off to watch this. I'm gonna turn my brain off to watch that. You're gonna get shit. <laughs> so what is that? So you as a consumer have to think a little bit deeper. 
Yes. Yeah. Hey, you know what? Like, one, even, more, one more gripe. Even with something. Go ahead. Finish. Yeah. No, I was going to say, even with the Fast and the Furious franchise, there's something. There's a little bit something there. Now, the reason why I hate the last few movies is because there's nothing. It is it is what critics have been have been falsely accusing the series of years. It's just ah, it's just a bunch of noise, a bunch of car stuff, and there's nothing. There's nothing to it. That's what these last few movies have been, and that's disappointing. If you yeah. go back and you just examine the series and you think a little bit critically, there's something there for you. So think. Just just think a little bit more about the stuff that you're watching. You know, you can the, get the Fast and the Furious movies are always the fast the fast movies are always about family. And when Paul Walker died, it was really difficult to keep that going, especially since the movie acted like he was still alive. So yeah. it, it ruined itself, like it went over on itself. They needed to stop and mourn the fact that Paul Walker was gone. They should have had him, in my opinion, they should have written him into a car crash. And then somebody crashed his car when they were racing. He died that way. He oh god. Hit, and now they got it. that's they spend the rest of the movie chasing down the MFs individually. That and they got the, the first movie, they got the guy who, who hit him with the car at the end of it. Then they go to the guy who paid him. Then they go to the guy who ordered the payment to go oh. through. And that's how the you know the fast 10 or whatever. That would have been how I would have wrote the mess, you know, to end it. Because it, it was been, always about I would I would have just ended at the seven. I would have just ended at the seven. Seven ends on such Jamel, uh, the problem satisfied with it's what's, like what is they're too damn greedy and it's money. No, you, you that's exactly yeah. what it is. They're too greedy, but the problem is there's an audience for it. So what you got is you got we are basically being trained to be fat cats, fat cows. We got a we got a freaking tube shoved in our mouth of Disney content, and if we don't swallow Ooh. all of the stuff that they spill, we gonna fall out of out of pace with everything in the universe. So and they call it a, 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 a Marvel Cinematic tomorrow. Universe. And so if you are out of pace with the universe, you out of step, you don't know what's going on. You don't know what's going to happen. Secret Wars coming, man. To pile on to that, it's Wally. We are becoming, like, with the way that the content is going, exactly, bro. we're becoming the people in Wally. Yep. It's, we're becoming lazier as viewers, and the writer strike is still going on. We are going to get some, we're going to get some Basura. Chat GPT some of these studios gonna bring all the new Netflix movies coming out in 2020. They're gonna try and rush some of this shit, and it's just ooh. which, like, which kind of leads to or, the first story or, that I shared. Or, or you could just pay people oh, what they're worth. Do that, nah. Disney. That's, like, that's that's too easy, dog. Um, that that's complicated. That's, J J that's JT, come on, supposed to be. like let's come on. I I, I just okay, I'm disappointed cool. at you. I, I got a bridge to sell you in Brooklyn if you think that that's gonna happen. I'm disappointed in you trying to use. I'm disappointed in you, JT, trying to trying to make sure that you use logic and humanitarian um, beliefs. You do Man, not do that. Don't look, you do that on this podcast ever again. Don't you ever talk about paying the people what they deserve. Okay. Good night, everybody. <laughs> don't you don't you pay? Yeah, <laughs> that's all, folks. That's, that's, we we done that. About we never. You know what? Are... what you was talking about turning your brain off is one thing. And I think we we get fed a lot of that, yeah. but you cannot make a movie based solely off of subtext. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And so yeah. there's a lot of movies that are like, oh, but did you think of the subtext? Well, bitch, you should have wrote it into the film a little bit. Yeah. But you have all this juicy dripping subtext, but all you get is people's like what they derive from what you said. 
from what happened. You know what I mean? I saw uh 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 who is uh Kill Bill guy, uh Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, he was talking about Quentin. the subtext of reservoir dogs. Uh, was a father-son thing because the cop was like, you know, take me in. He was like, no, I can't. You're gonna, you're gonna go to jail. And he was like, it's okay, I'm a cop, but he couldn't say it. You know what I mean? But it was a father-son dynamic. And I was like, that's a reach. But if you have to like define yeah. a relationship with two characters, that would be what you would pull from. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so like, you're not gonna convince me to go back and watch the movie like, oh, and here's the cop trying to shuttle the, you know, the the bad crooks and and do these. It's not it's not gonna be a father son film. That might have been a father son type of scene, but that would just be based off of the relationship of the writing. But yeah. that doesn't make a movie good. You don't you don't get to have a bunch of subtext and have nothing actually happen. Or if you do make something happen, you can't just be like, well, there was subtext of of. Denarius's father went crazy, I guess. You know, like it's it's not you didn't write it into the show and you just pulled that mug out. Was like, you should have read the subtext. Yeah. I, That's no, not I, I just I was say, like, I, I, I kind of felt like I didn't feel offended, but I kind of felt like I wanted to look at this person and be like, oh, you are really like willing to eat a lot of shit when it comes to what's on your screen. That's what I felt like. Dog, there's a lot of there's people a, out there like that. They, they, they write these films for the purpose of you thinking, right? Or to be able to which, feel which like... Films a, do you say? So the, the films that was kind of like put, was brought up in the conversation was, like I said, Little Mermaid and Soul. Those are the two that was mostly brought up. Those films were written for the purpose of kind of like, I want you to feel something. I want you to think of something. In the case of Little Mermaid, I'm pretty sure that they did a little few edits like Aladdin um, did when they came out with the live action Aladdin but to fit the narrative that now Haley uh, Bailey is now a black Little Mermaid, right? So I'm pretty sure that they wrote it with the context that like, hey, we have to write this film so somebody can think deep into it and think that we're trying to do some type of representation behind it. And it doesn't feel like that. It doesn't feel like that at all. Um, I feel like those films lose. Yes, they. Some of them feel great, and when you watch them, but as far as the actual source, it's a whole lot of nothing. Uh, I think Jamel kind of kind of hit on it. Cotton candy definitely does good, but after a while, you realize it's just fucking sugar. You know, it's um, so lazy. It's the it's it's, it's, it's the problem that I have with again live action Disney is is something that I have. A, problem with because it's, I do with them. I do it's just with them. recycled you're recycling this laziness and it's just what really like if you've seen the first look the original animated little mermaid in this one what really is different and there's a cowardice to what disney does with these live action movies because it's like all right we're not gonna change this we're not we're not gonna change anything we're not gonna tell a different perspective we're not gonna switch up the story we're just gonna do the same shit we did and it's just different, different medium, and that's yeah. it. And I don't want to bes uh, besmirch uh, Haley ba uh, Halle Bailey. I, from what I hear, she d did a really good job. Her voice is great, but you can't convince me that this could that you couldn't use these resources to do a different idea. It's why the Mufasa prequel that's coming out is interesting because it's like, okay, well, what are y'all gonna do with the story of Mufasa? I'm curious. You can milk it. At the end of the I can day, tell you that just, much. 
because or what they'll do is also something that I hate. (laughs) It's also something that I really hate. It's they make unnecessary changes. Like the the Lion King from 2019 to me, that is the absolute worst one because of the changes that they made. And Jesus Christ, and Donald Glover, they seem like they 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 are voice ones. They wanted to be anywhere else on this planet of Earth, but in those booths recording their lines. It was terrible, but we, we, we've been on this. History, take on the show. We haven't even done proper yet. We haven't, yeah, we haven't done anything proper. So let's uh, go and we got to make sure we uh, put some, pay some homage and acknowledge our velvet freight train of the motherfucking week. Big shout outs to this homie. He has done so many films and I want to give, give him- We did this last week. People know it's Spike Lee. He's the Velvet Spike Freight Train of the month. He's the Velvet we'll Freight Train of the month. We gotta give him his Velvet Freight Train of the month, man. Give this man his Velvet Freight Train of the month. Oh, wrong one. Go. This is the Velvet Freight Train of the month. Big shout outs to Spike Lee. Guy is Academy Award winner. He's done so many different things to be able to actually open up the doors for people in cinema, film, actor, director producer, philanthropist. Don't invite him to the Knicks game because they, they won't win again if he does come in there. But big shout out to the motherfucker uh, train of the week, Mr. Spike Lee. Now, if you do not know, if you haven't been paying attention, uh, Spike Lee has been our guy that we have been doing all of our films uh, this month. We are doing a 40 Acres on the Mule themed month uh, this month, and we are focusing on all Spike Lee films, the ones that he directed, written, and put out there for us. Uh, so far, we have done uh, Black Klansman, we, and we're, today we're doing, actually, He Got Game. So hopefully this goes well. Now, um, last week, uh, we talked about the bad now we're gonna talk about the actual not so bad, more, more so the uh, philanthropy. So Spike Lee has actually had some uh, philanthropy plans that uh, he's been doing. He's actually been adopting a, a couple of other filmmakers and also like uh, writers. Been taking them under his wing to make sure that I actually get him to actually have the career. He even had a couple of other plans. Um, I want to say that the Spike Lee follows, uh, Spike Lee Fellows, that's the name of the um, program as well. So he has done some philanthropy as uh, in actually out there in the film world. But that also doesn't go beyond the fact of how much he actually donated to actual like um, um, events like Hurricane Katrina as well. He's done documentaries and a lot of those things have become a version of his actual philanthropy as well. So with that, Jamal, I'm going to ask you just a simple question right here, man. When you think about a person who actually take care of their actual people and have uh, given the opportunity to others, do you think that that's uh, a way to pay it forward for the luck that you had and the blessings that you had to be in the position that you are? Or do you think that, like, honestly, we don't need to do something like that at all? Do you think that we just need to say, hey, like, I mean, I made it. Forget about you in the past. Uh, that is a very uh, that's a very direct that, question, that but some very, people feel that way. Some people do no, feel that I, way. I was gonna say I'm trying to think of a, a person to put down and be like, ooh, that is some shit that such and such would say. But <laughs> nah, if you have been successful, you I mean, you should want to help other people. I think you see that in a lot of examples. Like there are a lot of celebs, like for example, Eddie Murphy is one of them. I'm going to try and pull people up. Like, if you go back and you watch Eddie Murphy's movies, you'll see young roles from people like Damon Wayans, like Chris Rock, 
putting on uh, Martin Lawrence, putting on uh, a lot of people like Elf. Uh, Boomerang put on John Witherspoon. Wasn't supposed to be in a movie. Brought him on, had one of the most memorable parts of it. And like, if you don't do it, who else is going to do it? Mm-hmm. Like, I remember, you know, hearing on uh, one of these sports podcasts, um, Magic, um, someone talking about Magic Johnson and how Magic Johnson would always donate and try and give to the United Negro College Fund because he felt that if I'm not, if I don't do it, who's going to do it? And I think you see that with people who really want to make a difference. And you see that with the best of us, like they ch- at least try and give a damn about, hey, let me try and pull some other people up. And it's something that I respect. And I think if you had that ability and if you are able to pull people up, if you can pull the right people up too. like some people, some people you got to lead where they got to lead more than that, but help, help when you can. So yeah, yeah. I I I feel like there's um there's a responsibility that you need to have at that point in time, um to actually bring somebody up with you in some form or fashion to keep that actual your form of like I guess you would say generational wealth going. Um, with that, JT. Now I'm gonna ask you a, a kind of a different question. Who has been some of the people that you watched that's been in film that brought other people along? So I know that we did films with Martin Lawrence. We did, um, um, obviously, we've been doing the Spike Lee films as well. Who who are some of the other people that you know? Well, maybe you know what's kind of funny is a lot of bad movies are folks who is just trying to bring people along. Damn. They didn't get the right person. They got somebody who they was trying to give a little come up to. And their production Ooh. suffered because of it. So you got, I mean, I'll be honest, a lot of black movies out there like that. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Um, Ice Cube and, and Mike Epps, you know, ad libbing the majority of, you know, Friday After Next, just, I mean, because they just, well, we could just do it with peoples, you know, we'll just get peoples together, we'll just have a good, a good show. Yes. And then they put that out. That's what you happy with? Oh, man. Yeah. So, like, it, you see it often. Um, you know, I don't know, I don't know a lot of people's reputation because I really don't give a crap about celebrities or, or you know, Hollywood. I think people are just people. And these folks have a job to do. And so anybody who's good to whoever, the, whoever they do business with, those are, you know, usually the folks that you want to do business with too. And like, those are usually the productions that work out well because people know that they're getting taken care of. So if you got these writers out here on strike, you know that not enough people are bringing people along, mm-hmm. but these writers, man, I've been, I've been, you know, researching the ways that they get paid. Like I'm happy. I didn't fly out there and try to start writing, you know, because that would have been a struggle. And, it is. Ah oh man, I'll tell you, I, I have I have some some, I, some good ideas for like always sunny in Philadelphia sketches and stuff, and just you know it'd be fun to write you know get in a room with a bunch of funny people and and do that. But you know if I knew who brought people along, I'll have to find that person and then do them a solid and then wait around. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I, I think that it's it's right to bring people along when you can but if you want your stuff to be right you also got to make sure you got the right person for the job but definitely check your rolodex first agreed man um candy in the chat said adam sandler the people who did super trooper as well as stuff bro adam Adam sandler is the most i'm gonna look out for my niggas person and he's the only reason rob schneider was ever relevant Bro, oh. Rob Schneider, like I'm sorry, as long as Adam that. Sandler is, is oh, making movies, God. Rob Schneider gonna have uh, jobs. David Spade, 
I like David Spade and some stuff. Like, he gonna always have Steve, even people who you wouldn't expect, like, oh, you don't have to do these movies, but they must fuck with Adam Sandler heavy because Steve Buscemi, uh, John Turturro, Kathy Bates, all three of them are good Oscar-level type actors, but they will always do Adam Sandler shit because Adam Sandler apparently is very good with people, and he's he's one of them celebrities that, like, you know, he, he has that good reputation. Seth Rogen, he, he's like that in a lot of ways. My, uh, Judd Apatow, he, he'll always work with a lot of the same people, too. And you can like you can see it. if the stuff is whew, Adam Sand like that like that was a good pull from Cam. Like, God damn! Yeah. Only reason Rob Schneider is able to make his win is because he was forced with Adam Sand. Like that is a good that is a good pull. So one of my my people that I, I follow heavily when it comes to podcasting is uh, Kevin Smith, and Kevin Smith is another person that pulls like a lot of the same people in all the time and. Um, I mean, everything from, like, you got to think about, like, Ben Affleck, for sure. He pulled Ben Affleck. He was like, I'm going to drag you with me until Ben Affleck surpassed him. And then all of a sudden, now Ben Affleck is like, it's a special treat when Ben Affleck shows up in a, in a Kevin Smith film, you know what I mean? But, like... He used to be a regular. He used to be a regular on this uh, show. Yeah. Ben Affleck. Uh, Chasing Am- Amy was one of the big ones for him. Yep. That's a weird... That's a fascinating career in life, that Ben some white dude from Boston is is smashing Jennifer Lopez probably right now as we speak, and he's got an Oscar. He he was a te- he was kind of a shitty actor, and then he became a good actor. He was a diff- he's a he is a fascinating it's really like he received feedback well, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, hey, you were kind of shit in that Daredevil movie. How about you improve? All right, and he did somehow. He did. You know what? Fuck that. I will write my Daredevil film. Hero. I'm gonna write my Daredevil film and star in it. Argo. <laughs> you know what's crazy? If Ben Affleck wrote and directed a Daredevil movie, I actually think it would be. I actually it would be so good. It would be so. Good. He's like a good director. Like the town is a is a really good movie. Yeah. Like it's just it's it's a Boston hood movie, and it's fun seeing shitty white people in a hood. Like, that is a fun... That's a fun... That's why I like 8 Mile. It's like, ah, look. Look at this trailer trash that Eminem is. It's like going to the zoo. It it is. Like, so this is why y'all feel like this when when you watch. This is why y'all like Boys in the Hood. It's just like, oh, wow. Watching watching them be violent. Except they gave all the animals cocaine. This is the highlight reel of this hood. Not the actual story, you know? It's easier yeah. to accept if you if you get into those kind of spirits. Yes. So oh, uh, can we can we admit though one thing, bro? After thinking about it, and after some long, long overdue criticism, um, Ben Affleck can't do superheroes well. No, <laughs> he can't, no we cannot. He cannot do Why do you think that is? Um, I feel like he's too broken. I feel like he's too broken sometimes in his character. It's okay for him to be like that dark and kind of like stale character. But um, so to balance it with some driven. And you gotta, yes, he has to be. I'm gonna be honest, y'all. It, he did work out like an introvert I'll, in that Batman film, didn't he? Yes. I'll die on the hill that the ultimate edition of Batman v Superman is like actually beyond watchable. I think it's like actually a good movie. <laughs> the Martha stuff is still one of them things which is like, why do you put that in there? Zach, Zach Snyder is another person who, he makes the movies and people make a bigger deal of them than they actually should. Like, 
I think Zack Snyder is not like there's no subtext to what Zack Snyder does. He just ah, this is this will look cool in the movie, and it's but just see, that's, it's just, and that's it, one of the problems. He has zero subtext, zero. And on the other spectrum, what's a movie that's all subtext? Uh, Memento. Uh, Some shit from Christopher Nolan. Fences felt like it was all subtext. Yeah, yeah. Fences is a real good one. Real good one. Yeah. Um, Tenet feels like it, it, it fits in that category. When we go have that conversation that Christopher Nolan, is, is, he's kind of falling off. I, I, I think kind of falling off? Right. I'm surprised that you. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Look, 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 look. Hold on, hold on. False. First after time. Interstellar, I'm not. First off, Interstellar was great. Okay. Interstellar yeah, after was, Interstellar. It was a straight masterpiece. There, I said it. Masterpiece. It was a well-done movie. Very confusing topic, but they broke it down to a way you could understand by the end of the film, just like he did with Inception. Okay? Now, Tenet Fair. had audio problems. That was one of the biggest issues with the movie. You couldn't understand what the fuck was going on, so how could you understand what the fuck was going on if you couldn't hear it? God. I can't understand what's going on, so I don't know what's going on. It was just it just it instantly made the movie like two points worse because you just don't know what to crap. Like I know they're talking about something. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Movies filmed on a boomerang on a Mobius strip. But still, nineteen uh, twenty-seven, right? That was the that was the World War One movie, and that mug was like if you were fly on the uh, wall during this during this film, and that was not a good movie per se. Like it wasn't an Oscar-winning movie, but that mess felt like you were really there. And it felt like you were looking over somebody's shoulder as he intended to do. And so even though you're not going in, you're not getting a big cinematic saving Private Ryan, that shit felt like you were a part of the action, which I thought was a complete success. And then, what, you got something to say? Can Jason history blanks and choose your words carefully. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Candy said the same same thing about the the, the tenant thing, because he works at a theater. They specifically got... um, notes saying that they got to play it at a very high volume so if for example we normally play movies at 5.5 they had to play tenant at 8.5 volume so yeah that's that's a lot of editing that you got to do post and you <laughs> that you reckon if somebody do that he, shit he needed to buy some better plugins that's yeah yeah he that bought is. a plug-in and the plug-in screwed him one of them too they didn't want to play lower. God damn. All right. But yes. like, do you, sure do you offset the bass then in that case? Because the bass would be what would wreck your eardrums. <sighs> yeah, that would be, that'd be, a, that'd be a good question. Um, because that's what people were trying to tell me to go see Tenet for. Because, oh, man, the audio sounded amazing. And I was like, yeah. And some movies, some movies do have great audio. For instance, Get Out. I tell you, if you watch Get Out on a properly calibrated surround sound, it was just, it adds so much. It heightens the movie so well. Yeah. Like it heightens the hair on the back of your neck, y'all. It was, it just worked great. And so if you don't have the sound right, the sound is telling you the story. And that's that's one of the reasons why you need to pay your freaking interns. <laughs> so they, they don't they take your stuff hey, seriously the, like it matters. History that should be the subtitle of this pay people what pay them pay them right. Pay people. Speaking of movies, uh we both me and history saw Transformers Rise of the Beast, and <sighs> I, personally I really enjoyed I that dug movie. It, uh, I dug it. I and I we're not gonna spoil we're not gonna spoil anything for y'all who haven't seen it. The one thing is like damn. Not all the Maximals were in the movie, but for me, this one, 
we didn't get as much humans as we have with the Michael Bay movies. Bumblebee was a good start with reducing the humans. This movie, it was 80% robots, 20% <laughs> humans. I think if we can get to the next Transformers movie, we get that to about 95 robots and then 5% people. I think we got I think we got a bona fide winner. But yeah. Uh, like the Ron third Perlman, act of Godzilla versus Kong. That's what we need. Uh, we need the third yes, act. We of don't need people. <laughs> we don't humans need don't need to be in these. If I'm going to see Transformers, King Kong, ah, God, I don't want to be around people that much. Show me the monsters. Like you can have a look a little bit, but show me the monsters. Show me the robots. That's why I'm here. I ain't here for the for the fucking meat bags. Give, give me the robots. And I love this one. Like Ron Perlman, that as as Optimus Prime. Tubi. If you got Tubi, Beast Wars is on Tubi. Watch, watch Beast Wars. Yes, bravo. Uh, they really need to do a remaster of Beast Wars, man. Come back with some. If you get some updated graphics on that mess, that you could do it. Honestly, pants. you could do frame for frame. You could do uh, story for story and make that mess it's an anime. Still, that would be stands. dope. Uh, the 90s man, did it's us really such difficult a good to job. go back and watch that low resolution CGI that they then made Beast Wars with. And let me tell you, Beast Wars is an incredible show. Yeah. I just need this remaster to come through somehow. Somebody um, run that through like, Blender right quick, okay? Yes. Honestly, like what where we're at right now with like since eh, brought up Beast Wars, the 90s did a good job of expanding what kids' cartoons could be. From a narrative perspective, because you had in that one decade, you had Batman the animated series, you had X Men animated series that stepped stuff up. Gargoyles is fucking classic. You got mm -hmm. Beast Wars. Like from a narrative perspective, the eighties is where like the idea of the Saturday morning cartoon and shit came from. But from a narrative perspective, from making you actually shit where it can be entertaining the kids, and now as an adult, I can go back and still get enjoyment out of it and love for it. The 90s is where it, it really was like an ele uh, elevation of what kids cartoons, what cartoons in America could be. You know what? Uh, I know Candy just said reboot because I was thinking about reboot as well. Reboot definitely needs to be done some justice. They really fucked over reboot on Netflix where they made these human kids and they made them basically Power Rangers. But I'm gonna bring I'm gonna bring up a deeper one, and they tried to redo it in uh, the the, early, the late '90s, early 2000s. Would y'all like to see a Johnny Quest fucking movie? And I felt like Tom Holland would have been better instead of Uncharted. A Johnny Quest fucking movie would have been amazing, especially when they did the 3D version of it, mm. where he jumped, he tapped into the VR every now and again, and he still was going on adventures. The real Johnny yeah. Quest adventures. The real Johnny on. Quest adventures. I think it was on. Fox, it was either Fox Kids, or, it was on Fox Kids with uh, are you sure? Is I thought it was Cartoon it could Network. Work. It, it, it was on one of them, like it, it. I think it could work. I think you just need a committed director, and I think, like, yeah, the most things you need rewrite Haji, you have to rewrite Haji, but that's yeah, you can't, yeah, 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 that's true. You gotta have you gotta be respectful, like some stuff, like where. Some stuff you, you kind of need to update, like, hey, let's, let's not make him a caricature. But even then, it could work. Like, I think it could work yes. if, you, if you put the effort in. Like, oh, Johnny, 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 Johnny Quest did get a reboot. It was called The Venture Bros. 
Oh, I got. I get what you fucking say. Yeah. Your, <laughs> I get what you're saying. Wait, that, 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 is that like no, a, it's, it's a parody? It's a parody of it. <laughs> it's a great. It's Venture Bros is hilarious. Venture Bros. Is a I really want to. <laughs> I want to get into Venture Bros now because in the Venture Bros movie coming out, like I gotta get like I've never like sat down and actually watched it. I yeah, I think movie. I got. I think I got two and a half seasons left, but this show is just. It's it, the problem is I can't like go to sleep to it, but that's like usually my time to just put on whatever. Oh. And so I put on the Venture Bros, and I sit up watching three episodes, cracking up because I'm not going to sleep because this shit is funny. And so uh, <laughs> Patrick Warburton is like the he's he's uh, Brock Samson, mm-hmm. and he's just this, this you know like roided out. He's freaking the white black dynamite with his blonde mullet. Yeah, <laughs> he goes he goes hard, bro. So if you like Johnny Quest, then yeah, watch that mess, and it's a great parody. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's that's actually a good also story. watch Mike Tyson mysteries. It's unrelated, but watch Mike Tyson <laughs> mysteries too. R.I.P. Norm Macdonald. Oh my god, dog! Uh, that might be that might be my favorite celebrity based like cartoon based like because celebrities should just get those about the eighties and nineties. They're just like, hey. Here's Mr. T in a cartoon. Like, what the yeah, fuck are we doing? Real, and, but they just put him in there. And so let me tell you one of the reasons why them 90s you know, Hulk Hogan had, was, had a cartoon? <laughs> let me tell you one of the reasons why uh, them 90 cartoons was the best is because they took it seriously. And they didn't think like, hey, we're making this for kids, so it doesn't matter. Because I tell you what, I'll, watch, I'll try to watch some of these kids' movies with the bad CGI. And this stuff sounds like it was written by ChatGPT. It is no, like, no education, you know, like, no lesson, you know what I'm saying? And it, it's just bad. But the mother movies is like, we're going to tell a story. And we're going to tell a Batman story that you could sell in a comic book and have it not be censored. You can put it on TV and everybody's going to be happy with it. But it wasn't necessarily marketed to kids it was it was a real batman outing you know what i'm saying and so they found a way to to do it in such a perfectly balanced film whereas a lot of people like they always try to get too gritty with the subject matter and that's one of the reasons why Zack snyder stuff sucks is because all he understands is grit and lens flare (sighs) that's true hey uh real quick shout out to trail our co-host for the island of uh, irrelevancy trail these are for you (laughs) <laughs> oh wow, we're being rude. Okay, screw you, Trail, for reasons unknown. I'm got to side with the squad. You must have done something wrong, sir. Uh, you know <laughs> that's our relationship, apparently. I've been, I mean, yeah, I mean, apparently, I've been an bystander on this whole thing, bro. I've been an innocent. It started off with me and Jamel beefing because when I when I first started talking to Jamel, it was when we was talking about the whole situation with fucking uh uh painting game. So my very first few conversations was me and Jamel like arguing about paying the game in the fucking chat. And ever since then, it hasn't even been me, bro. It's been just Jamel and Trail just at each other's throat and talking about how they each other hate shit. <laughs> just in the fucking chat. So I've just been an innocent bystander throughout this whole process, bro. And, and I'm here for it. I'm here for it. I'm here for this black old black violence. And then we'll have like actual conversations about stuff. Where yeah. Go like, oh, bring up a good idea. I'm like, oh, what idea? Well, y'all yeah, continue yeah, to yeah, cuss yeah. out Trail. I'm going to go make some tea right quick before we get into this film. Well, actually, I'm going to ask a silly question for, for Jamel. Is Let's do some promotion. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's true. We, we can do a little promotion. Island yeah. of Irrelevancy returns on 
the final Wednesday of the month, June the 28th. We are going to be previewing WWE Money in the Bank 2023. So far, the field for Money in the Bank 2023, it is is about as wide open as it's been in in like at least a decade. Um, For the men, we got L.A. Knight. Yeah, we got Butch, we got Shinsuke Nakamura, we got Ricochet, we got Santos Escobar, and we got Damian Priest for the women, Zelina Vega, Becky Lynch, Zoe Stark, Bailey, EO Scott, and one final slot to be determined. So those matches are going to be very interesting. Uh, also taking place, we're going to have Cody Rhodes versus Dominic Mysterio and Seth Rollins defending the world title. Uh, Constellation Prize against Finn Balor, so it should be, though there are probably going to be some more matches announced, but uh, right here on this channel um, and starting of course in July, we're going to be on YouTube.com forward slash HV or YouTube.com slash at HVFE podcast. So be on the lookout there, subscribe to us over there, and yeah, we are gearing up for here on Historical Voices, we are gearing up for our movie review of the week. Uh, JT should be back momentarily, but history... Well, we actually got another podcast, actually, uh, part of A, uh, A Narrative Media as well. Oh, all right, ahead and promote that. Uh, which is Fuck Around and Find Out. That's actually hosted by Tammy Garrett and her husband, <sighs> Mr. Robert, man. This, they, these, these people have been fa- uh, fantastic. And doing a podcast, uh, they're doing some book reviews. Um, and their actual last uh, podcast is actually about uh, a book called My Grandmother's Hands, and it's about actual uh, somatic therapy. Um, I think that that's the actual correct way of saying it. Um, but like a uh, somatic am- uh, abolitionism and generational trauma that's like those are big things. Now, if you don't understand what that actually means, uh, I think you should actually listen to the podcast. I'm going to really butcher it. But from my understanding is basically like how your body reacts to like being frustrated about being wrong about some things and also coming into terms with uh, generational trauma that you've never noticed that you had. So, for example, like a generational trauma would be that like your family's been poor and um, been poor for so long. And when you finally get money, the first response for you to do is go spend money. And that's a that's a version of trauma. That's a version of like uh, of like uh, uh, a trauma response that you never think about is the fact that as soon as I get my income tax, I'm going to buy this this very vast car and stuff like that. And so there's some other things. It's uh, it's more I'm giving a very, 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 very softball explanation of it. I really want you guys to go listen to the podcast because actually it does a better job. And it's a very much so um, situation where you do fuck around and find out and understand like actually about some of these th- these stories and books and also uh, uh, stuff that happened in news and culture over there in Washington State and the Pacific Northwest. So big shout outs to Tammy Garrett for uh, that podcast, fuck around and find out as well. And make sure you check that out as well on HVFE podcast. Mm-hmm. As well on YouTube, and eventually we should be switching over to A and M as well for all three podcasts being on those platforms. So, JT, wow, that leads us into our movie review for the hell week. yeah. Let's go talk yeah. about this. Let's talk about our Velvet Freight Train for the month, Spike Lee's movie. What is it called, Jamel? This week we are doing another joint from Forty Acres and a Mule Film Works. This is also a touchstone 
production. So this is technically a Disney movie as well. It is He Got Game From 1998, a sports drama flick. It stars the one and only Denzel Washington, one of the goats. We also have Ray Allen uh, playing Jesus Shuttlesworth. We have a few characters and a few actors who have frequented uh, Spike Lee joints. We've got John Turturro. We've got uh, Bill Nunn. We've got Hill Harper. We also have a lot of sports figures, IRL sports figures in this movie as well. Uh, people such as Shaquille O'Neal, people such as Scottie Pippen, sidekick. We got Michael Jordan, Charles Barkley, um, Coach Jim Beheim of Syracuse Orange. This film, it is a dramatic tale. It is at its core, a father and son story. And we're going to kick this off with a little It is, that's kind of how, can you, can you let me set up the questions, uh, Jefe? So let's, let's kick things off. I believe this is now our, what, second or third Denzel joint in this one. It's 1998. Yes. It's right after Malcolm X where Denzel solidified himself as one of those hen type actors, but it's right before training day. And so Denzel hadn't been parodied. He, he hadn't quite gotten to that point where it's like, okay, this is just who Denzel is and everything else. What do y'all think of Denzel's performance in this movie? He is by far the top tier actor in this one. JC, we're going to kick it off with you. What do you think of Denzel in this one as Jake I mean, Shuttlesworth? You, you said it yourself, man. His acting is the best. And so he puts everybody else next to him to shame. And this was very much so to the detriment of Ray Allen, who was a piss poor actor in comparison. Um, uh, the, the only thing that was passable, you, you know, like was his hoop skills. So you kind of, oh, yeah, yeah, oh, that's right. Yeah, I, I guess he is a good character. Okay. You know, but like when he was just, when he was like berating his little sister for talking about how she didn't need to go to school, that was so bad. Yeah. And one of the things that I noticed about this movie was like, everybody <laughs> seemed to like pick a tone and just stay in the stay tone. In the tone. Yeah. And they, they didn't ever move from the tone. And this was the tone, the tone, all the time. You know what it's I'm saying? It's the most noticeable with Ray Allen. Yeah, right, right, right. Ray is happy. Ray is sad. You know, like Ray is upset. And those were the three modes. Bruh, there it was looked not like much. Ray, Ray is playing basketball. He shuts up and acts all of a sudden. <laughs> it looked like Ray Allen was like, "How my mom would do this scene." <laughs> Dog, when he was talking to his sister, well, didn't I tell you not to do this? Mm-hmm. What I you was, doing with this stranger in our house? Your, your like, that house. was... He was really trying to be bitter trash. to his dad. It was so it bad. Is hilarious. I it wanted, is hilarious. I wanted Denzel to did, like, double down on that scene and be like, I'm your damn daddy. Show me your birth certificate, homie. Right. <laughs> you know right. me. You know me. You mad at me for a reason. Why are you so mad at me? <laughs> I could Jesus shut up. hash this out right now and get thrown out the room. Get thrown yes. out the house. You know? Oh, I came out. I'm here. I'm here. Let's talk about it. Yes. You ain't gonna get this chance again for a long time. Yeah. That was so okay. Funny. So we we we're all in in sort of agreement about the acting that rate the the acting attempt that Ray Allen tried. 
Bro, Do y'all think that this is confused by this point too? <laughs> I was confused. Where is Ray Allen? Hold on, where is he from? Because he okay, so he's from. Cal- <laughs> so I don't know where he's from. Like he doesn't sound like a dude from New York. Like he's a basketball player. Of course, he wasn't gonna try and like do a New York accent. But it is it is wild how ungood Ray Allen is. <laughs> it is it is fun. It is hold a on, funny. Hold on, there was worse actors than him in the film. Yes, there was. But, but they're actually professional a- actors. <sighs> That's a fair point. Like I think with Ray Allen, he has the excuse of I'm a basketball player, so of course I'm not going to be a good actor. What the fuck were y'all expecting? Um, uh, uh, you know what? I want y'all to go. Let's let's start. Uh, let's let's back and forth. The worst, the ones who were a little bit worse than Ray Allen. So we're gonna go with you. Let's go one at a time. Uh, history. Who? Let, let's get to the first person. Who would you say is? Yeah, that, that they were just not good in this one. And they're a professional. So who, who would you say next up? Bad oh, fuck! I can't even say bad actor the most. Uh, maybe sweetness. No, nah, fuck. Um, no. Thomas John, Jefferson Bird. John Totoro. I, I, as I'll, coach I, Billy as Sunday. Coach, here is the reason why, dog. Is the fact that it's not the fact that he was bad. The whole script that that whole scene that he was supposed to do, that was fucking garbage, dog. It was, was pretty pure, awkward. It was pure the, dog. The prayer. <laughs> you can see that he tried. So I'm trying not to fucking laugh the mm. whole scene, the whole so, fucking rest so, of the podcast. <laughs> but in this movie, let's talk about subtext for a little while, guys. <laughs> The subtext was it was like the scene after his dad just told him where he got the name Jesus from. Yeah. So the fact that they done put up over here and got all these, you know, tall head folk, you know, look at all amazed in slow motion and stuff with their glittery blue eyes really said, you know, you don't know me. And I thought that was a really good touch. Yeah, uh, even though it they was obviously laying it on as thick as all the white women weren't. <sighs> yeah, dog, I'm crying, dog. I'm so sorry. I apologize. You know what? I'm a. Yeah. Let's go to another actor who was not as good. JT, who would you say? Who's the next one up that we got? <laughs> no, I thought uh, Ebony and Ivory, Spivy and Crudup, or whatever was was criminally underused. Yes, uh, Jim Brown and. Uh, Joseph Lyle Taylor. Jim Brown and, and, and the white dude. <laughs> I felt like Jim Brown was actually the one that was actually the most fluid and actually well-deserved actor in this motherfucker. Like, I was actually enjoyed his shit the whole time. You ain't thinking well, about me, I like how much of an asshole he was to yes. Jim because he, he gave no dance, right? He was like, oh, you ain't my, my, my man. What? <laughs> and the funny well, thing was, the funny thing him. was, he was sitting in the front seat, like, "All right, brother." So he knows that he's a brother, and he don't give a damn about him, like he's street trash anyway. Yeah, You're savage. White That's police well, showing off. That's well. Well. <clears throat> what's uh, what's what's uh, that line from uh, fuck the folk? Black police showing off for the white cop. That's kind of a good example of that. But Jim Brown was cool in this one. Rick Fox was uh, he he was in this movie as well. Uh, Rick Fox, and we might as well get into who could have been Jesus. Um, there were uh, uh, there were a lot of black basketball players that he uh, that Spike Lee was going over. He 
looked specifically for ones who could pass for a high school senior. And the first choice was Kobe. But uh, Kobe apparently was just like, nah, fuck that, because he shot, he, this is some Kobe Bryant shit. 97 playoffs against Utah, he had like a few air balls like that led to the loss of the Lakers in that series. And Kobe was like, nah, I'm going to work on my game in the offseason, which is, which, which is prototypical and, and, of course, some shit Kobe would do. Tracy McGrady, not uh, uh, Spike Lee was just like, ah, he was a little too reserved. Allen Iverson, he was just not impressed. And Allen Iverson really does fit the mold of what Jesus Shuttlesworth was. Like, he, he has kind of that. Like, Allen Iverson's mom, I remember seeing yeah, like, AI said been, that. that God, like, that back. God blessed her when he was born. Like, it was specifically like, like he is a gift from God, literally. Because he's gonna take her out of situation. Yeah, so from front to back, Allen would have been the uh, that's that he, was Allen Iverson's documentary. <laughs> it was but <laughs> another one who who um, could have been it, Kevin Garnett and Stefan Marbury, uh, but they weren't their I don't ages. Think we could have looked at that for him for the for the whole movie. Jesus Christ, Stephon. And of course, Rick Fox also auditioned, but he could he was too damn old to be Jesus. He wasn't believable. They put him he, in college. Yeah, and I was like, oh, so he's like a coach, right? No, no, he's a star he's player. A super <laughs> he's, he's a he's a super Shit, he's he's a senior about the graduate. Duh. Wait, can we talk about the night that wait, wait, I'm so sorry for I'm so I'm so sorry for jumping ahead on this one, duh. Can we, can we talk about the fact that, man, my man Rick, uh, Rick Fox was walking around originally, and he was like, yeah, man, so this is a good seat. This is where this is at. This is where this is at. And then two random white girls just walk up. He kissed one. I was like, oh, that's his girlfriend. And then the other one came over there a few seconds later and kissed him, and I was like, wait, what the fuck? And then they, had, they went to kiss Jesus. And my first thought was, don't be a menace about this. I'll say it drink the juice. I thought there's two times in the movie, dog, when she kissed him and they went to Jesus. I was like, bro, like, by the way, do you realize you kissed every nigga at the party just now? Right. <laughs> That's what I felt like with, I felt like with Jesus and I felt like with Denzel Washington character with Mila Jovich, you knew she was on Bruh. the street and you were making out with both of them, both you, like father, like son. Making out with these girls. Here, here's where I'll defend. I'll defend Jake on this perspective. He was in jail, and <laughs> jail niggas are like, "Hey, uh, a, a, a bitch is a bitch." So apologies, no disrespect to Mila Jovovich. You were in the Resident Evil movies, but that's his from his perspective. It's like, uh, I mean, a woman is a woman, like even if she is for the streets. And yeah. so I can't. I, I'm not saying I'd have did it. <laughs> but I understand. I fully understand why. why you Jake understand, <laughs> bro. Yeah. We got to talk about that. I ain't saying he should have killed, <laughs> but I understand. But we was just talking about the Rick Fox situation. I, but I felt like Rick Fox was he. He sold his character though. I felt like he sold his character yeah. surprisingly compared to everybody else. I believed Rick Fox character was Rick Fox character. I didn't feel like that with a lot of other people inside of this film. So, um, it was good. Go, go right ahead. No, go right ahead. I was gonna say, like, I think the main fucking like actual uh perpetrator in here, it, one of the main ones is like Hill Harper. How did y'all feel about Hill Harper? Booger, how did you feel about Hill Harper's uh, character? 
He was. I like Hill and some stuff. This is not one of the stuff. That he I, didn't that I matter like. much. I mean, he had a little happy ending. He learned to read. So, you know, there's that. My point is the fact that, like, it's fundamental. Yeah. I got that. Oh, like he, I was thinking that, man, he's a, he's a star basketball player too with them. He was doing all the promos and shit like that for him. And then all of a sudden come to find out he was the one that's getting picked on. He can't fucking read the newspaper or shit. Come, and they didn't have to do my man Hill Harper's character like that. At the very end, he can't fucking read. You could have did that throughout the whole movie. They only decided to open up that context. It's like writing a bad essay. You don't bring up a new topic at the in conclusion of the uh, like a paper, right? Then they brought up a new topic at the conclusion of the film. And Hill Harper's character really did terrible in that one. But also on top of that, Mila Jovich's character was also equally as terrible. How did her part was unnecessary? Yes, her subplot was just. Again, I get like, hey, we need to give Jake some cheats, but her whole thing was just very unnecessary, and I feel like they could have, the movie wouldn't have missed not having uh, No, She was there not for Denzel to play Captain Save-A-Hole. And, and, you know, we, we he, he, he's humanized in essentially that one scene alone, you know, because he was more human in that scene than he got to be in the rest of anything else. Correct. So, you so know, it was a white woman. I think that that tenderness should have been reserved for his daughter, you know what I'm saying, who was just a baby when all this stuff happened, yada, 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 whatever, was was too young, whatever. But I think that would have been more family-driven. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, but see, Jesus didn't allow allow those those scenes to happen, or Spike Lee didn't allow those scenes to happen, unfortunately. And so I wish I would have seen more scenes where he would have been like how he snuck to go see Rosario Dawson at the end of school for Jesus of School. I wish that I was, yeah, I wish that he would have did the same thing for his daughter as well. So I feel like the redemption arc should have been for two people. Can we talk about how he punched my man in the throat? That is one of the funniest things in the movie. He just (laughs) right in the throat, got his ass down. Uh And I think the whole, the movie itself, because I know we've been, We've kind of been shitting on it, but I do think to an extent there is a lot of truth in the movie because this is what a lot of these high school recruits go through. It's they're being pulled in all these different directions, and it's you you have this, you know, unnaturally God-given talent where you can lift a lot of people out of poverty, you can cause people in your family to retire, and it's fucked up, but a lot of these dudes are. Just oh, they're com- they're a commodity, and so you got Uncle Bubba played by Bill Nunn talking about oh, okay, this this is how you gonna pay me back. You got his high school coach talking about all the stuff, you know, just just wanting to make sure that he get he gonna get his beat way. And my man, big time Willie, played by uh, Robert Gouverneur Smith, um, light skin yo, who's in uh, in a certain amount of hood movies um, and always and worships Mike Lee a lot. Willie kind of kicked the game to him in a truthful way because it's like, oh, people are going to always see you and have a handout. And I think the film does a decent job of getting that, where it's like, nah, if you are this level of talented as a football player, basketball player, basically everyone in your life, unfortunately, a lot of these dudes are going to turn into employees where it's like, 
your job is going to be playing in the NBA, NFL, baseball, whatever. And their job is being associated with you. And that's how a lot of these dudes end up going broke. And that's how a lot of these dudes end up losing, you know, just going down a lot of bad paths because they're getting pulled in all these different directions by these people. And you see that in this movie. For me, it's not as it's not executed particularly well. But uh, JT, you look like you, had, you, you were firing up a thought. Go right ahead, bro. No, I just listen to what you were saying. So quick. Okay, cool. Quick question, Doug. Um, how do you feel the relationship was um, with... All right, let me switch this one. How do you feel like the relationship was with Jesus and um, what's what's Denzel Washington's character name? Jake's Jake. uh, Jake's uh, Shuttleworth's character at the very beginning, because I felt like I got a hint of it, but I also didn't get a hint of like what their relationship was. So I'm talking about you like, mean like childhood. the first scene that they were together. No, no, not the first scene that they get as child. Why do you have a stranger in our house? Right, yeah. he should. He should it's not. He's not a stranger. Why do you have mom's killer in the house? That's what it is to him. But that wasn't written in there well. Yeah, you know why? Why is mom's killer here? That's why he's not welcome. He killed mom. He gotta go. And now it all yeah. makes sense. But he's sitting here, this stranger, not even looking at him. Now, if if they would have done it like that. You know, that would have been a whole different scene. Yeah. And it, I think that was the scene that was deserved in that in that movie because what we got was some weak sauce. Yeah. And when yeah. Denzel stood up, Where, like, you ain't just going to talk to me. Like, I'm not here, mother. You know what I'm saying? Like, Yeah. Because I felt like the movie was trying his best to kind of say that Jesus didn't believe that Jake would have killed his mom for, for a lot of parts. Because even when they did show the actual scene, it looked like Jesus also thought and Jake thought, oh shit, this fucking thing happened because it escalated too much. So it didn't come off as my mom's killer. It just came off as this guy who was a bad man from start to finish throughout my life. And that was very descriptive of somebody who grew up under him. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It, it didn't feel good. It didn't feel like it, it meshed well. I, I understood what they were trying to do, but it didn't feel like it meshed well. I think we can <clears throat> we can all admit Ray Ray Allen's character is a little octagonal for this movie. <laughs> he, he's he he got way too many edges where he need to be well rounded. Well, he was Kwahi Lemmer before Kwahi Leonard was like ever in the league. Kwahi 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 Leonard, yeah. Kwahi Leonard, yeah. Sorry, my bad. Kawhi, Kawhi, cool whip, cool whip. Uh, Kawhi, literal. Cool whip. No heat. Why you put the no Why you put the H in the cool dog? Kawhi. Is it Kawhi or is it Kawhi? It's just Kawhi. Like there's no heat. Cry. Like like cry, but just with a with just cry. Ain't there like an island of Hawaii that's called Kawhi? But it's spelled with a K U K U A I, right? No, it's K A W H I, because niggas spell the island, the, the, the island that he's talking about. Uh, that JT's talking about. I thought it was K A W A I. Probably, Kauai, but it was Kawhi. Uh, we got this Google machine. We are gonna use this bitch in a second. If you're yeah. in the chat, type that motherfucker. Look, Kauai I've never been to Hawaii. I would like to go. Here, it's nice. Hawaii. It's K A U K A U A. Uh, the 
backwards uh, apostrophe and then I. Gotcha. About to say, I thought it was K A U I. I would say, what's the backwards I, 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 apostrophe called? Can you Google that too? <laughs> Shit, what the fuck? This is the podcast. No, I'm not Google that. <laughs> <laughs> he said, "Who do you think I am?" No. We look up. We I'm look about up to learn about this grammar. <laughs> what is the accent called over the A's and E's in Spanish? <laughs> in India, uh, Rosario India Dawson as Lala as Lala Bonilla. Uh, first off, Rosario Dawson, God bless. What do y'all think? What did y'all think of Lala as the as the fact that he as basically the gold digger who was kind of set, who was kind of playing Jesus? What did y'all think of Lala? I, I don't Maybe. think it was as uh, apparent. I, I feel like she should have been a little bit more for the streets than she was shown. You know what I'm saying? I, I feel like it should have been one of them things that everybody else knows about Lala, but Jesus Shuttlesworth is over here getting lost in the pussy. Bro, I thought that's what it should have been. Nose wide open. Right, right, right. But like, it, it, it should have been one of them things like, Everybody knows, dog. Everybody knows but you. And that's because she on the phone just like uh uh what was his name? Big um big time Willie. Big time Willie. talking. I love you, I love you. And when when he was doing his little scene and they had all these gratuitous nudity flashbacks, it was kind of weird, not a place. But uh when he was talking about I love you, I'm surprised they didn't flash Lala in the scene. And so it, 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 it kind of weirded me out. I was like, well, whose thoughts are we in? Are you just putting this in for the audience? Because I thought we was in we was in the thoughts that Big Time Willie was given to Jesus in, in, in you know, sitting shotgun. I thought that was what was the exchange. But like the fact that he said, I love you. And none of the family members came up. You know what I'm saying? His little sister didn't pop up. Lala didn't pop up. None of it, it was just some random extras. So that was weird. And I thought that was a, that a whole thing. Just I felt like Spike Lee wanted to hide who was the, the antagonist in the film, though. And so <clears throat> that's not an excuse. I'm just saying that that's what it came off as. He was trying to hide that. The My baby needs some similar. Yeah. Like that whole thing. I like that whole the, the random stranger saying, hey, Jesus, can you look out for me? Because one of them was uh, Jamie Hector, who will go on to be Marlo Stanfield in The Wire. Like, I like that because. Honestly, it does, from what a lot of these, you know, athletes who've either gone broke or athletes who are, who come from backgrounds like Jesus, a lot of them do, like, basically say, like, damn, that's kind of how it goes with a lot of people in their lives. And it's why some of these dudes end up fucking depressed. And so I like that perspective, but I do, I fully get your point, JT. Like, having, like, uh, Lala, you know, with the I love you, and then it maybe flashed to Jesus where he's thinking, like, oh, shit. Like and it kind of and he kind of has that realization like oh maybe this person who I've committed so much to and you know got my nose just wide open maybe she's just maybe she's not being sincere so I could have been the start of him being suspicious of her and then he he eventually called her Mm -hmm. out because she was like I need you to meet this guy too and this dude had all the money so we know she was getting some she was getting paid to bring him there. Yeah, you know what I'm saying, but and obviously she yeah. was over. How you gonna bring your, your other baby daddy or whoever? You know how many abortions she had with him too. You know what I'm saying. That was where she spent her evenings with. Yeah, but she over here got her claws into him like like the leathery claws of Mephistopheles. 
you know, it have been fucked up if they would have did it at the end. Come, uh, come to find out that that baby wasn't even his. It was actually right. Not a she dude. was just pregnant yeah. by somebody. Yeah, and she, she was over here a... trying to play. Dog, I had a girl trying to do my cousin like that. Real talk, these hoes ain't loyal. Yeah, that's why I'm happy I got me a good woman. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, fuck. Big state. Big. Is oh, big God. state the funniest big state, state college was name? Wyoming, right? Because that's what that looked like—a big old square. Uh, it is one. That is the funniest fake college. That is the most uncreative. Like Spike, come on! You could have came up with something. Why did you just say something, bro? Just say something. Big state, right? right. Uh, the college visit itself was—it was what it was. I'm gonna also put out another. This is some uh, episode where details about me are coming out. Um, I. Just now realized once I got grown that August had no holidays in it. This was this movie is the first time that I ever saw Chick-fil-A. Like where I'm from in Detroit, there's no Chick-fil-A's around. This is the first I'm like, what do they eat when I was a kid and or younger when I first saw it? I'm like, what are they eating? And then it was like, oh, that's Chick-fil-A. And so that's the first time that I've ever seen Chick-fil-A. But was that big steak. I don't know where the fuck big big steak. If my Kid told me that he's going to big state. I'm like, nah, you're going to the army. Like, the fuck? What's wrong with you? That school seems like you're gonna get HPV or something. <laughs> All these women just kissing, running up and kissing other dudes. Uh, that is bro, that, that seems way gonna, more gross. Bring back the more the I think dog. about it. Mono, <laughs> because it wasn't just them and that's how COVID started. Females. It was also the other four or five that was like at a lunch table somewhere else. And that's not counting the other two that was in the bedroom waiting for him somewhere else, which yeah, that just that seemed like a lot. Nigga, you kissed, you kissed every dude at this party, and you you have penis on your breath, sir. Jesus, you got penis on your breath. Go back to calm down. Not only like, and you know, and and this is the last part I'm going to say about this too. But she was riding his face, and they had that other one. <laughs> I was like, "No, this is, this is so much." I didn't know how to comprehend all. I felt gross, but also I was like, "This is just so much happening." I, I don't understand all of these things going on at this point in time. They are I, that's their job at school. They are on the we are gonna fuck the recruit squad. Yeah, boy, it is. They're professional. They, they are talented that team. Oh god! Anyway. So it, it felt like uh, the, to those scenes made me really think like, man, Spike Lee was fucking like horny as fuck when he wrote this fucking movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, I I'm, I'm sure I got ten minutes of porn on this fucking film. Like, I'm pretty sure god. I got ten minutes of fucking uh, like some dudes could have finished watching this fucking movie. Like that's, yeah. that's how, <laughs> that's that scene of uh of them on the cyclone of uh Jesus and Lala on the cyclone. Also, uh, they were fuck. like wow, yes. like this is a and she was Cyclops a horny during this. Ros- Rosario Dawson was a virgin during that scene, which is wild. IRL or in the movie? IRL in real life. Wait, in, in 1998? Yeah, she didn't lose her virginity until she was 20 years old. She was 18 when she filmed that. Yeah. God damn, we're old. That is something to think about. Like, huh? Like, wow, she had to be a hoe in the movie before she actually lost her virginity. Oh, that's sad. Like, oh, she, she she got it spit. Wow. So can God I, bless her though. She's 44 and looks amazing. God bless her. 
Ask me, answer a question for me, man. Like, how did this film didn't do a really good job by like showing that like Jesus was oblivious to this girl being with who she said was her brother. And also, am I the only nigga that just looked at this dude and realized I can't trust this dude in real life at all to save my life ever? For the bald man, yeah, uh, bald bro, <laughs> yeah, the, the actual better looking Bokeem. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> another, another clone, another of Dave Chappelle's clones, because let's be honest, Bokeem Woodbine is, is the negative version of Dave Chappelle. And apparently, and so this guy's a variant of him. He's not even in the in the main credits. Damn, that's what's he really isn't. Like, I'm trying to what's the uh I've been trying Leonard, to find oh, Leonard the Roberts. Leonard Roberts is his name. He played, uh, he was the antagonist dude in uh, Drumline. Yeah, I, I thought yeah, it was. He, he, was the, he was a college student. This nigga is 50 and he was playing a college age. Goddamn. Hollywood How is stupid. How old is Rick time. Fox? Because that shit, I for real saw Rick Fox and I was like, oh, okay. So he's 53. <laughs> he's 53 now and he was. <laughs> Oh my so he was just a couple years older, huh? He really looked he's 25. He well, looked think about it. Rick Fox. I think I think uh Rick Ray Allen kind of falls in the same age group as him, though. Yeah, probably. I want to say Ray Allen. Ray Allen is he's 47, so he's uh, yeah, he's he close. I'm about to say I thought shit. And also Ray Allen is a uh a July birthday. He's three years old. So That's Ray cool. Allen was 21 at the time of this movie because he's three years older than Rosario Dawson. All right, yeah. so so question: best scene in the movie. Why would you ask me that question? You heard me. Um, oh, you know what? I'm a, I'm because of the fact that like I've seen the movie before. I'm gonna give you my answer for two re, uh, two different scenes. My favorite scene because I've been t- like I did this podcast with y'all for a while is when Ray Allen yanked on fucking Jake. I was like, bruh. Bruh, that's 11. That's uh, 11 for a game, and he walked away. They should have played him for his heart. <laughs> he literally was playing him for his heart. Double nothing, son. What do you mean, double? I go to two colleges. <laughs> uh, um, for me, that's a top tier scene. Um, for comedy purposes, it's it's the scene of Denzel Washington punching old boy in the throat. Like that to me is just yes. it's just a fun it's it takes me out like dog, that is hilarious. Like that is that is some stuff that an old dude would think. Like I'm gonna hit him in his throat. Like an old man I'm just gonna like run away. It'll be fine. Oh, I'm then gonna, gonna give me a throat. hooker. <laughs> dog. It, it's hilarious. Um for dramatic purposes, I do think the line that I do like a lot is him saying, it's him telling him at the end of the game after uh, they played each other, <laughs> he played him for his heart and he lost like Sanat Lathan. We told him to let me, like, you know, when he told him to get that hatred out of his heart or he'll end up just another nigga like his daddy, I do think that was a good line because Denzel apparently, Denzel was the only one who did show up to be like, hey, I, I want to act. Today. Hey, I'm an actor. This... I act. Yeah. So I act. I do the favorite... acting. Yeah, that was my favorite scene at first. Yeah, when I was younger, because I, I felt like I had a decent relationship with my dad. But when this movie came out, uh, 
I had, when I, by the time I've seen this, uh, my dad had already passed. And I felt like that was a message I needed to hear at a point in time. So that was my first, but because of the fact that we, we've talked about loving basketball, my man Ray Allen with the double hand dunk on that man. <laughs> that shit hits hard. That hits hard. What about you, JT? Oh, wow. This is, uh, I got an, I got a fact uh, after this, but uh, go ahead, JT. What, what's your favorite thing? I definitely like, like watching the brother get hit in the throat. That was, that was, I, so that quick. made me cackle. Yeah, I lie. That was good. Oh, that explains why we got the movie that we got. How long do you think it took to film this goddamn movie? Six weeks. Uh, <laughs> nope. That was beautiful of you. What it, just started, it took place between July and September. The film took place. No, nah, it, it took 23 days to film this movie. Oh, oh, this he should have took 40, it would have been good. He, oh, wow, he, he was between Tyler July and September of 2020. Yeah, of, uh, did I say Tyler 2020? Perry. What the fuck? Yeah, Tyler was trying to break a record at the time. <sighs> this oh, is also was, the last film that it. It was it debuted at number one at the box office. It was you're right. It was considered a financial flop. It was made on a budget, uh, twenty five million, and the lifetime gross uh, at the film at the box office was a little over twenty one million. So yeah, it did not it did not break even. Um, this is the last movie that Denzel and Spike Lee did with each other, and I'm guessing. Denzel probably thought like, okay, I'm not gonna be the only person carrying the damn movie again with these spikes. So I'm a, I'm a, I'm a gracefully bow out, bro. He gave me Malcolm X. Let's 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 move on and let's shake hands. Um, Roger Ebert gave this movie three and a half stars. He, he, I mean, yeah, it was his best film since Malcolm X. He praised Ray Allen's performance. He said Ray Allen is a rarity and athlete who can act. And nah, 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 bro. Uh, Roger, you were wrong. You were yep, yep. dead ass wrong. Yeah. Let's address the biggest thing that's wrong with this movie. Jesus was going straight to the pros. If this was real life, he's going straight to the pros. Like let, let's like let's keep it real. A poor dude in his situation is not going to college. Not even in these days, he could have did the one and done. But nah, he was going straight to the pros. Like this is this is post Kobe. This is post Kevin Garnett. Dudes going from high school to the pros was pre was on and popping it and, and pre LeBron and dog uh, he was he was going. If I'm that broke, I'm not going to college. Like no way in hell. And Bill Simmons wrote in his review pointed that out. No way in hell, a dude that broke and that good is just gonna go to college. Like nah, get your degree later and go make that money now. So that's that's probably the least realistic part of this movie that is based in reality. I believe more that Jake threw his basket at the end of the movie, threw the basketball over the fence, and it somehow magically landed at big state, and Ray Allen picked it up more than I believe a super talented high school basketball player is just going, nah, I'm going I'm to I'm go to big state. What the f- big yeah. state? I'm still on that fucking name. Yeah. Um, actually, I'm going to ask a quick question on, on to you, JT. I was think, trying to think about this, too. Is this? Um, how do you feel like the dad and son relationship was between these two guys? Because the, 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 I know we asked a question about the kids, but I'm just 
I guess I'm hard. I'm having a hard time because I know I know we. I feel like we kind of just joke about it. We we go over this, but when pre kid, how we answer that question after the fucking after the game. How is the dad and son relationship? Because I don't feel like we still got that resolution at the very end of that film. So how do you feel like that ended? Denzel gave the resolution. Denzel, Denzel's monologue at the end and him supporting him through basketball was the resolution. Okay. Gotcha. What about you, Jamal? I think, like, obviously it could have been better, but I do think the following, like why I like that scene the last advice that Denzel gives him is because it is fatherly advice. It is a father who Jake in prison had time to think. And he knew like he was kind of dead wrong with some of the things that he did. And he was giving him advice. It's like, if you don't change, you're going to end up like me. And neither of us want that. And I do think, I think that that was a good way to cap off their interactions. I think obviously it could have been better. I think maybe we could, I think if, Jesus and him spent a little more time together. I think if we got more of him and Mary, because I don't, Mary was underserved in this movie. Uh, Zelda Harris, um, mm -hmm. AKA, um, what's her name from Crooklyn? Uh, uh, she was Troy, Troy from Crooklyn. Mm -hmm. um, she was underserved in this movie, and I don't, I don't get a sense of their relationship. And I think that was an aspect that was really underserved. I think it would have been helpful. I think it would have been. Some, it would have been some good scenes if we got um, Jake interacting with Uncle Bubba and Aunt Sally. I think that would have been added a little more to the story because it's Sally. I think Sally is the mom. Is his they didn't do a good job sister. of explaining it. Yeah, they didn't do a good yeah, job. Yeah, of yeah they did. Mom. They did. They explained it was it was the mom's sister. It was okay. Yeah, the, I knew they said that, but I I, I couldn't remember for a second. The relationship. I think that could have been the relationship. Like never met anybody else so it was just denzel and boogie and, and and jesus it was it was none of the other family i mean and even when he visited the daughter she was out of the, the second half of the whole film and she was yeah. just mentioned by name but so, that would have been the first thing look son if you go to big state they're gonna let me out early i could take care of, take care of my daughter be the father i always need to be you know what i'm saying i could be there for you i know you're mad at me for what happened to your mother that was an accident i was there too i was drinking i've been off the bottle da 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 you know what I'm Which saying? Mother, yeah. He yeah. had a spiel. And he came up to him and told him, look, if you do this, and then, of course, they screw him in the end. Yeah. Which, by the way, uh, can we also admit that Denzel movies, especially during this time, I feel like all the way to uh, Fences has been pretty much movies where he has played the drunk alcoholic guy who can actually be really, really good person and have good Except intentions. Remember the Titans. He wasn't a he wasn't a drunk in that one. It was uh, he he wasn't drunk a, a drunk an alcoholic in that one. Um, but damn, you're kind of right. Um, going back, just popping up Denzel's filmography, just looking at what he was doing around this time. Malcolm X eh, kind of doesn't count. The Pelican Brief, I've never I'm seen that because he was part of the moonshine thing and he was doing some hoodlum shit. So the, at the bone beginning. collector, I'm not sure he was a drunk in that one. I think he. He was no, bedridden. He was a cripple in that one. He was a cripple in Bone yeah, Collector. He was, yeah, it was, he Hurricane, was uh, where he was Reuben Carter. Yes and no. Uh, but see. he was training. He was yeah, training day. He was on. Oh, oh yeah. boy. Training day. He was on. He was on everything. He was wilding. Uh, John yes. Q. I don't think he no. was. I don't think he was in Antoine Fisher. 
uh, Man on Fire as Creasy. Yeah, that was that was the whole angle. He was a, he was a drunk, and of course, my fa- one of my favorite Denzel movies, Flight, where definitely the, was the whole premise is drunk and on cocaine, high as shit, flew a plane, flew a plane, flew a fucking plane, and saved people's life. He was cold to sell in that one. Oh, um, um, I went over some of the act, the potential basketball players who could have been Jesus Shuttlesworth. Uh, JT, do you think any of them being in this role that isn't Ray Allen, do you think it could have worked with Kobe? Do you think it could have worked? I, I think Allen Iverson. Listen, like, Jamal, agree, I'm like, just going to stop you. Allen Iverson. I would have been willing yeah. to try everybody besides Ray Allen after watching this film. Damn. Yeah. I think yeah, he, he dragged the movie. Kobe back. had it. I think Kobe would have done better. That is something to think. Done yeah. better. Because he yeah. acted in Mo he was on an episode of Moesha uh like around this time of the 40s. So it would have worked because he had at least some acting experience, a little bit of acting experience. And Alan Iverson, again, he perfect because this is basically his life. So yeah, it's it's disappointing. Like, I wish this movie, this is one of those things where it's like it could work. I think a remake or, or like an updated version of this could work because we've had, you know, almost 30 years since this movie came out. We've gotten more info on like the recruiting process and how these kids are made from, from you know, kid who's kind of good at something to get into that superstar level of the NBA. So I think it could work, but I also think Maybe we've seen a little too much. And because this, if you listen to some of the stories, it's kind of tame in some ways because it's like, eh, oh, you just had one girl trying to uh, trying to trap you with getting pregnant. Uh, let me let me introduce you to me. Or you can look at what Zion Williamson is going through nowadays. Uh, oof, oh, boy. So history. Uh, one last question. Uh, go, go right ahead. Oh no, man! That, that that situation was fucking wild with him getting the girl pregnant and then apparently like was hollering at another like porn star shit like that. That was wild. Um, I, I think that this movie uh frustrated me the most, man, because I, I this movie was so hell bent on this father son relationship, and I feel like I never got a true resolution out of the father son relationship. Like, yes, he picked Big State, but that was one of his final two in the first place, anyway. Um, you mean, um, he decided to take his sister with him, but that was the original goal anyway. So it, it felt like all of those decisions was naturally going to be with him anyway. I think the one part that just was never acknowledged was the fact that like, if it wasn't for your fucking dad, you know, I know that people were talking about how hard he was pushing him, but if it wasn't for your dad pushing you, you wouldn't be able to afford this particular option. At this point in time, like we have to acknowledge the elephant in the room is the fact that, yes, you think that he's an asshole. But at the same token, the night that your mom got killed, what was he doing and why was he upset at you? Because you wouldn't try hard at a game that you wind up actually fucking playing professionally. It makes no sense. That felt like no like no resolution to it. And for the ball to go with a fence for not only Jesus, but then also on top of that for uh, Jake's Shuttleworks character, it puts the mom's death almost in vain, the storyline itself. Because it was supposed to be Jesus's way of saying, I quit, right? But then you have Jake, I quit. Jesus is being an actual 
fucking basketball player at Big State, probably going to go into the NBA. And unfortunately, you know, Jake is probably going to still play basketball just for a little bit of time while he's in prison. And I just felt like there was no resolution. There was no those no finishing. So I guess that's why I'm asking you guys this question multiple times. Maybe beginning, maybe end. Maybe y'all can explain this part for me. Because I felt I like think, the elephant, the, the father saw Jake was trying to go to this. heaven. Because he was trying to get shot. And when he figured out dude wasn't going to pull the trigger on him because he actually cared about his human life, yeah. he threw the ball over the wall so that the rest of the inmates would whoop his ass and probably kill him for getting rid of the only basketball. I love that analogy. That's that's a better story. That's a better story. Why you did it, Jake? Because I want uh, Cell Block E to come and just feed my ass. Because the governor <laughs> is a damn lie. Yeah. Or I want like my cornbread. I want my cornbread. <laughs> I want some of that whites only pie. I want right. like something, dog. Give me something, dog. And I how much would it take to make one of them whites only pies? Nigga yeah. pie. Yeah. Uh, gotta get something. Life don't have to be life is gonna have to be a movie that we do one day. But uh wrapping things up. Yes. JT, if there was one big change that you can make in this movie that you Ray Allen. actually improve it. <laughs> Aside from Ray Allen, like we we picked on poor Ray Allen. Poor two-time NBA champion, uh, rich man Ray Allen. We've picked on him enough. He he's had a hard time. Only two so, times. I thought he had Ray Allen. Nah, he's he's got two. He's been to the finals uh, multiple times, but he only has two championships. One with the Heat, 2013. One with the Celtics in 2008. Oh, and shit. he's got a gold medal. Good for him. Good for Ray Allen. Good for he, he deserves it. But yeah, he obviously was the weak, the weakest link in there. Besides, apart from yeah. I don't know the the timeline for crying out loud. Uh, listen, it's hard to put anybody in the same scene with Denzel and have him not outact the fuck out of them. So you know, Ray Allen had to go fuck because that was easier than acting in the film. So yeah, I don't know. I just felt like uh, the, the gratuitous nudity was weird and misplaced. And uh, it really felt like Spike Lee was a breast man, and I need some more thighs in my black films. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Um, Rick Fox was cold how he was describing black women too at uh, at Big State. Like, <laughs> God damn, Rick. Uh, I, 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 I turned to my wife woman. and I was. <laughs> he was like, "Yeah, like, he, he even got rid of the black women because they had too much self respect." That's what he said. He, but well, that's basically what he said. Yeah, that's basically what he said. He yeah. said it make you work too hard for it. Yeah, these these like, floozies is easy. Yeah, I need hoes. I'm. Yeah, oh, he's trying to speed run getting uh, some type of STD or getting mm. one of these. Well, that's what that's what Big Time was trying to tell him. How do you spell it? P U H I V. You know what I'm saying? Bro, Big Time, he low key was. That was that was the highlight. I think that was the that was a good that was a good monologue. He was Ooh. a cool person because he told he was like, "Dog, these cats don't care about you. They don't care that you go into the league. You nothing to them around here except that chain." You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I, he he gave him the, the lowdown. Yeah. Hey, watch out for them drugs and shit too. Like he was, he, just, he was, he tried, he tried. I really uh, history like about Denzel. You. Uh, so to make my change, I would have said Denzel right. should have had more family-related dialogue that he could have spit. Yeah. And so, you know, they needed to have the conversation about your mother. You know what I'm saying? They needed to have the conversation about your sister. 
and just be like, you know, I'm up in here. I could be working for you. You supposed you, you, my children, you were my charge. You know what I'm saying? I'm not done with that. And they got me over here locked up and I can't even support you on your journey. You know what I'm saying? Like they, th that was his dream. That's all he ever wanted to do. You know what I'm saying? And so the fact that he threw that away, he knows that. And we get a couple of things, you know, God, I hope God forgive me. Maybe, maybe one day you can too. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know. I think I would have, I would have given him a little bit more powerful father monologue. You know, I matter in your life and, and, you know, I'm really trying to do good for you. And I know there's leeches around and I'll keep them away. By the way, watch your uncle. He one of them niggas. And then the next mm -hmm. scene, he roll up in that Lexus. This is yeah. my, it's in my name, but, but it's for this for you. Yeah. R.I.P. Bill Nunn. Oh, uh, actually, what about you? What would be your big change in the movie? Size I'm trying to double check something real fast before before I, I make my All right, so Stahl, Jamel, what's your big change? Uh, I would have had Denzel punch a couple more people in the throat. Just, <laughs> just to, uh, I would have like had sweetness. him and Uncle Bubba. Dog, sweetness, I would have had him do the, do the move to, to Bubba. Because like that to me, and I do agree with you, the family stuff is where it could have been strengthened. And I think having him interact with Sally, having him interact with Bubba, I think that would have made the movie better. And especially having more stuff with Mary, I think it would have given a fuller picture. Uh, yeah, basketball is the focus of the movie, but mm -hmm. I do think that like the family stuff, that was like that would have been highlighted more. And again, we didn't need Mila Jovovich in this movie. He had, I know, like you, you Hit the nail on the head. He had to say the white woman at, at some point in this movie because, goddamn it, we don't. We, we got to say the white woman at some point. Can't, can't be, can't leave well enough alone. But I think you cut her out and you could have added some more stuff for the family. History. What about you? Um, I actually have my best impossible answer that I can fucking answer to this is I would have waited. I would have never did this movie, waited two more years for Love and Basketball to come out and gave a lot of the storyline to um, uh, the director for Love and Basketball, especially the one for uh, for Q and his relationship with his dad. This would have been a better film if this was included into Love and Basketball because Love and Basketball follows a lot of Sanaa Lathan's character. You could have did first quarter, uh, Sanaa Lathan's character, second quarter, would have been uh, about Q or whoever Ray Allen, uh, Ray Allen's character, and his relationship with his dad. Instead of having his dad be a, be a Clipper, a former Clipper, pushing his son really well, and then all of a sudden accidentally kill his mom, but still have this understanding that he's going to be top state or something like that. I felt like this would have been a better movie if this would have been included in Love and Basketball. This would have gave. So a how about we make another movie? That is just biting off of these two movies. Movies. And then just make it, it off movie. as our own movie. Yeah. And we'll finally have a consummate basketball film. Yes. Because it's really difficult to get. Because, yeah, the they thing felt I like did they... like about this film, though, is yeah. that they did basketball well. All the editing was very good. It made it feel like it was all one game when they was playing. You know what I'm saying? So it was... It felt like a better basketball film than some other stuff. They didn't have too many basketball games, but like I think that okay. it was easier to watch this basketball than it was to watch Love and Basketball's basketball. Yeah, I think um, only only reason why I, I kind of have a problem with that is because of the fact that I felt like I didn't get basketball for Ray Allen until the very fucking end and for how much they pushed basketball for him. 
I know this took place in about a week, but I didn't get a concept of how good he was in basketball until the very end. I knew how good young Ray Allen was, but I didn't get how good adult Ray Allen was at that point in time. That makes sense? What I'm saying? And IRL, like, uh, what, what? So, so I think you can, I understand what, I understand where you're coming from. So, yeah. at this point in his career, Ray Allen, he got drafted in 96. That is a legendary class. Uh, 03, he's still on the Bucks. So, uh, he didn't make his first all star team until the year 2000. He didn't make his first all NBA team until 01. He's all NBA third team. So, Fair point. Like Ray Allen took a couple years to blossom into the player that he would become. But you know what? That's a fair point. You, yeah, that's because movie. he took three weeks <laughs> off to do a movie. <laughs> if he if you followed college basketball, you would know how good Ray Allen was, because Ray Allen was really good with UConn, but yeah. Wait, oh, wait, this nigga was raised in South Carolina. Oh, he was raised in South Carolina. Oh, that okay, that, that makes a lot. That, so that makes sense. Let's, let's talk anyway, about the um, most iconic part about the scene, which was the dad and the, the, the son basketball scene. Uh, Jamel, do you have that random trivia for that, that, that scene itself? I do not. You, you go right ahead and provide it. So Spike Lee, when they initially shot the scene, uh, apparently Denzel Washington did not have a left hand. And he practiced. But also on top of that, Spike Lee was pretty much the only person that knew that Denzel Washington played basketball in college as well. Ray Allen knew that he played basketball in college, but he had a bad left hand. And so he kept telling, uh, Denzel Washington kept telling Ray Allen that he had a bad left hand. And so in between scenes and when he went home, he would practice dribbling for the past, like the, the past like two weeks or something like that with his left hand. So in the very beginning scene, you see him go to the left side. And actually play. Originally, it was written out that he was supposed to win 15 and 0, but that's why we got the 11 and 5. Spike Lee, and this is what I, I do remember Spike Lee saying Spike Lee intentionally let that scene run because of the fact that that was the most authentic acting that you got out of Ray Allen. Because Ray Allen was completely surprised at the fact that this guy, Denzel Washington, is smoking him. So apparently uh, the acting coach for Ray Allen was yelling on the side saying, what are you doing? You're supposed to be like beating him. And Denzel Washington wasn't telling him that he knew how to play basketball a little bit. And he got lucky. They scored about five shots on him. So uh, Ray Allen really took the scene seriously and got frustrated for sure. When you seen Denzel Washington run around the court, that <laughs> I'm gonna take another lap. <laughs> he got so bad, and then if you look at that's it, the last one you gonna get, and it was so, yeah. And that was he was sincere with that. He took his knee brace off, and he was ready to uh, he was ready to dunk on him. Yeah, he so dunk on him like he was cute. <laughs> but think about it, like you know, what's funny. This this, this took place in 1998. Somewhere in California, uh, Q and Monica were playing for each other's hearts. Somewhere in California, around the same time <laughs> that Jake and Jesus were, uh, were out there trying to get them to go, that's to, why, go to go to big state. That's why I said, bro, I would have just waited two more years and then just filmed this movie and then added these characters, uh, parts of these characters into this new movie. And Gina would have had a very good 
basketball romance movie in, in a in a weird and silly way. You would have had an understanding why Q was so jaded throughout the whole film. You would have had an understanding. He got his ass beat by Jesus. He got Jesus his ass beat. Worth beating the game. Yeah. Beat him in the AAU game. Yeah. All right, so cool. Uh, PJ, uh, so just real quick, fun fact. Uh, you brought it up. Denzel Washington played college basketball. He was a guard at Fordham University under coach PJ Carlissimo. PJ Carlissimo is one of them. He is one of them NBA lifer, uh, basketball lifer type people. Been a coach at a few different stops. He's been an assistant. He was fortunate enough to be a part of the Spurs and won three championships as an assistant. Um, he's been fired a few, uh, quite a few times. Uh, yeah, but fun fact that was that was Denzel Washington's college coach, yeah. uh, Mr. PJ Carlisle. So <laughs> that is that's a funny thing hearing about that that Denzel legitimately angered Ray Allen and <laughs> knowing how prideful athletes are. It's like okay, yeah, you're not getting anything else. So yeah. that's a fun. That was a fun fact to, to my. So they really so, really were playing basketball during that time in in that scene. And he got he, Ray Allen took that personal. So <laughs> let's get to the end of our review. Uh, we have dissected this movie. We've talked about what could have been improved. We've talked about some of the stuff that did work in this movie. Now it's time to give the ratings. JT, what say you? What is your rating for 1998? We got game. This okay. movie is a slumper. Okay, but based purely on the acting of Denzel, which is as always top tier, damn it, this movie gets a low edging. Damn. History, what yeah. about you? All right, for those who don't know our actual rating system, <laughs> everybody uh, knows our rating system. No, not everybody. What if I'll go over people? it really quickly. I'll oh, go over it really quickly since, since Jason wants to get snippy right now. Uh, our highest rating is winner. Edger comes after that. That is about four out of five. We got slumpers, which is a three out of five. We have sleepers, which are two out of five. And one out of five is a dumpster. Are you happy? Yes, I appreciate that, man. And everybody don't assume everybody knows everything, man. Come on now. That's not how the message works. With that, I appreciate you giving your answer at the same time, though, because I disagree. I think that this movie is uh, only reason why it's uh, a slumper because it wakes you up out of your sleep every now and then with the random flashes of apparently fucking titties that uh, that Spike Lee found attractive enough to throw him in the fucking scene. Like he um, had twenty three days. I think he just settled for whatever titties he could get. Bruh, it, it just felt like that much, man. But I, I really feel like as far as Denzel Washington does make this a sleeper. But I don't feel like this is his grand prize acting. I do think he that this is good. Sleeper? He makes this as a sleeper, man. Because I thought this was a dumpster ass movie. He makes this as a sleeper for me. Um, I felt like this movie is not Denzel's Washington's fault that this movie is a sleeper. I felt like the writing itself, the you know it, what it was. It, it was. Oh, okay. Well, we watch this movie on Tubi, right? Yeah. So yeah. I like to just take a break and reflect on how the things was. And so I'm sitting here looking back at the film and I really like the the intro movie with the with the yee yee ass music. And Mary, my wife was like, what are you talking about? Yee yee. I was like, it's yee haw. Yee haw. You know, that's what it is. Just yee yee. 
<laughs> but they had that music of them, you know, you know, or whatever. The, yeah, I don't know how the, how the mess goes, but uh, yeah, they had that like the inspiration music, there, yeah, which is which was is what you normally attribute to cowboys shooting. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Pop is shooting, but now what you really had was them boys shooting out there on the courts. So that that was not lost on me at all. That he's saying this is our frontier, this is our prairie, and this is how we go out there. And we conquer. So, you know, I, I guess I was a little caught up in subtext for this film. And that's why I thought that there was a lot more, you know, subtext going on in there. If I would just turn the movie off and like not not thought about it, if I would have just binged the whole thing without these nice little breaks, I probably wouldn't have been so reflective on it. I probably would have missed a lot more of that stuff. I probably I mean, would have rated it lower. I, I, I too watched it on Tubi, but um I felt like um, being able to see the th- three different, four different variations of the same eyeglass commercial helped me out. Be able to actually stop from like laughing and being like, what the fuck so loud? My wife walked out the room dog, a couple of times like, bro, why are you yelling? Because I was so fucking annoyed at this film. I was like, bro, what the fuck am I watching? watching Ray Allen acting, that's all. Yeah, I, and I kept just saying, what the fuck am I watching? And I was saying it so loud. I, I, I didn't realize how loud I was. This movie annoyed the fuck out of me. But I will say that, like, the scenes, like, obviously, I know this sucks, but the scene where Denzel Washington beat up your uh, footage of boy, um, the, the, the scene <laughs> where the scene where uh, Denzel Washington was like, uh, told him that the ball is in your court and shit like that, you know, like, there was some moments that I was like, okay, Denzel, you waking me up, you bringing me, you bringing me back to life a little bit. But this was a dog shit movie to me, man. And so I, I don't I would not really go back to this movie. I would say that like take a break and would have filmed this movie in a little bit longer than 23 days. Uh Spike Lee on this one. So yeah, um for me, um this isn't like this is one of those performances where it's like ah, Denzel, like it's not necessarily he didn't bring his A game. He did. This is this is a B game. This is not even a C game for Denzel. This is all right. Let me just do this. But he's this good is an audition for him. Like he's very good at his job. Like this is in between stuff that he's like legitimately great at. Like this is came out in 1998. So 99, we got the Bone Collector and we got Hurricane, which he should have won an Oscar for. Then Denzel starts cooking. He got he goes to remember the Titans. He goes to Training Day. John Q. Antoine Fisher. Man on fire! I, like he starts cooking after this, so it really was like he was recharging his batteries. Like, all right, let me do this little, little thing, Spike. So he carries the movie, and he is why, in my opinion, this movie is a slumber. I think you have any other actor in there as Jake Shuttlesworth, the movie immediately goes down because it's not as it, it ain't Denzel. Ray Allen is atrocious as an actor, and there, there's a reason why he doesn't do much of it. Um, everyone else, all the other professional actors, that's who I'm most disappointed in. It's like, damn, y'all are pros at this. Yeah. Denzel and Jim Brown are really the only two people who showed up in uh, my man Robert uh, Smith. They're the only three, big time buddy. They're the only three who kind of showed up and wanted to give you something. This one was just, it, it just was not good. Like this movie, yeah. it was just not. It's not one of Spike's best. It's not one that Denzel that you would go back and be like, "Yo, this is a good Denzel performance." It's just a movie that happened in 
<laughs> that's that's a it. that's a great way to say it. It's a movie that happened in 1998. That's that's a better way of saying it. Um, if you have to watch anything from this movie, find the scene of Denzel punching no boy in the throat because that will that will tickle you. That will tickle oh you. Will put a smile on your face. Definitely put yes. a fucking smile on your face. That is gonna do it for our movie review section for the week. Uh, we are continuing our way through 40 Acres in Mule Productions, the Spike Lee Production House. JT is going to have something for us next week. The Sweet Blood of collection. Jesus. Okay. The Sweet Blood of Jesus. Blood of Jesus. You can watch we'll that next week. And we have, of course, a couple more weeks. We've got two more weeks of 40 Acres in a Mule, and I believe History is selecting the final movie of the month. We'll, we'll let y'all know what that is. Next week. Oh no, man! Uh, it it, it got to be either JT because I got two movies, you got two movies, and then JT. All oh, right, you pick. And and I got two movies in. July. You know what? I'll pick another. Movie. I'll pick another. That'll be three movies in a row. I'll pick another one. I'll pick another. I pick this one. I'll pick and I'll go through and uh, I'll I'll look at the Spike Lee joints and be like, hey, yeah. this is one we can do. But in the meantime. Uh, that's going to do it for us. That's going to do yes. it for this section and history. Go ahead and take us home. Man, you can find us on YouTube uh, under HVFE Podcast, or you can actually look it up, Historical Voices from the East Side Podcast on Spotify or wherever you get your audio acoustical pleasures from. Hey, Wakia, what's happening? Um, with that, um, uh, you can check us out on Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever you listen to your podcast at. Make sure that you hit a like or follow on there, as well as also uh, do a rating for us as well. Just to kind of, it would definitely help us uh, in the long run and uh, be able to actually help us become more discoverable. So make sure you actually hit that uh, rating. And also take advantage of the polls and also the comments uh, that you can leave on there. Make sure that you leave your ratings for the, uh, these films. So, um, and then on YouTube, do the same thing. Uh, like and subscribe on those channels and also share with your friends. And with that, make sure you check out the actual Island of Irrelevancy podcast, as well as also uh, the podcast, Fuck Around and Find Out. Um, again, you can check us out on Thursday nights at 10, 15 p.m. Eastern every day for um, for this podcast. And then also on top of that, um, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram under History W. What about you, Jamel? What can people find you, man? Uh, you can find me here for historical voices from the east side. Uh, you can find me here also once a month for Island of Irrelevancy podcast. Make sure you're subscribed to us over on YouTube at HVFE podcast. Uh, just go ahead and enter that in. Um, you're going to start seeing a little bit more shorts migrate over from uh, my personal channel, East Side Reviews. You're going to see those on the main historical voices channel. I've got a couple up uh, right now. I've got one where we uh, I, I put it to the people, ask y'all the age-old black question, Brandy or Monica? Bruh. Who do you prefer? Who do you got? Uh, I also awesome. give you some of my favorite Spider-Man villains, and I also give you one where uh, it's, a, it's a dumb question, but I, I found it fun. Would you take $10,000 straight up for free, or would you get $5 million, but you gotta fight a grizzly bear 30 minutes? I put my thoughts Ooh. on there as well, so you're gonna start seeing some of that stuff migrate over to uh, the main historical voices channel and yeah that is just about it follow me on all the socials hey fair enough yeah, all right well, jt where people can find you as well buddy you can find me here on thursdays remember we're switching to youtube next month 
So you're going to have to go on over there and you, you, you need to subscribe. Make sure you hit that notification bell too. Yes. And uh, please come join us over there on YouTube where hopefully we will have a better platform of I which know. to bring you delightful thoughts from the Council of Blurdom. Hell yeah, man. All right, man. Um, with that, we've had a, a chaotic week. Uh, we have 82, 82, 83-year-old men having babies and, uh, unfortunately, uh, football legends losing their kids at the same time in the, uh, in the same day. But we have to find some ways to be able to actually kind of bring ourselves back together after all the stressful, possible, even stressful or exciting news at the end of the day. Um, so we turn to the voice of reason to guide us. JT, what is the voice of reason this week. Give me some Velvet Freight Train music, will you? Yeah, I like that. So listen, uh, we discussed a little earlier about is it right to bring people with you? Is it right to give back to folks who have have given to me? I want to tell you a resounding yes. If you have people who have invested into you, it is absolutely right to give back to them. And one of the things I want to talk to you about is make sure you check your heart when you give to other people. Because if you're giving to people with an ulterior motive, that limits your portion. People know when you got an ulterior motive. They can see it in your eyes. Oh, you got something else you're going to ask me, don't you? Where, where, where comes the okie doke, y'all? Where's the extra stuff? I know it's coming sometime. Where's the cold water? And that puts a strain on the relationship. When you give to people freely, there is just something just so shackled free about that moment. Like when you step out of prison and all of a sudden you got all this space, you're not confined by these concrete walls anymore. And you can just run for miles. That's what it's like when you give unselfishly to people. Another thing I want to talk to you about is when you give, it's because you've been getting something. You can only give what you have. If you give an extra, then that means you, you can't give on credit when it comes to life. You know? you know what I'm saying? You can only give what you got. If you don't have any peace, how can you give it to somebody else? But you can pursue peace with somebody and find it together. One of the things that I want to talk to you about is what you get is part and portion of what you put out there. You reap what you sow. Well, if you out there planting a bunch of good deeds, you know those good deeds are going to come back to you. If you out there planting being an asshole to people, you're going to get a lot of assholery thrown right back in your face. And so if you want good, you got to go out there and be the change you want to see. You're going to start getting some motion. You're going to start snowballing. And that's going to roll up your, your momentum with other people. And you're going to start seeing a whole bunch of folks who are giving unselfishly because somebody down the line showed them how to do it. Somebody down the line didn't have their claws in you trying to give just so you can go a little farther and drag them. What is this? The five fingers of death? Pretty sound, man. It's that breakdown. You never went this long. But you- oh, I mean, I could monologue for a little bit, but I really want to get this down to y'all. Yeah. When you give unselfishly. You receive so much more. And we saw we saw that the whole movie long was people trying to take, 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 take. The only reason they're giving you something is because they want something back. Then that's the bait. And you can tell when you say no to people, that's how your your real reaction. You say no to their gifts with them strings attached to it. That's how you can tell where you actually stand with folks is their reaction at that moment. You call them on those ulterior moments. Thanks for tuning in, y'all. Give free. 